The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be covering all the latest news, answering your questions, and reviewing My Dad is a Heel Wrestler. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. And this week's episode is brought to you by NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much, much more. It takes njpwworld to the next level. Visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? I am doing as good as I could possibly be doing under the circumstances. Yeah, man, same here. Still, still quarantine. Still social distancing. Uh, so, just another week of the same old, same old. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a crazy time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> it is, man. Uh, so, before we jump into the news, we have the results from the NJPW versus AEW fantasy booking contest. The poll was put out on the Social Suplex Twitter, at Social Suplex, last week for all of our listeners and fans to vote on. And we have the official results of the poll. So, and this was between myself, Josh, Floyd, and Amy from All Things Elite. So, we had a tie for third place with 18% of the votes. Both had 18%. Myself and Floyd tied at 18% of the votes, coming in third, tied for third there. Then in second, we had the young boy, 19% of the vote. And then in first place, with 45% of the vote, Amy O, Miss Phoenix AEW herself, cleaning, cleaning house, wiping us out. 
How, how many votes were there? Uh, there was 154 votes. So she got 69 votes? You said 145? 154. 154. And I got 30. So she beat me by 39. Yeah. All right. I just want to say this. Amy's got like 10,000 Twitter followers and I got zero twitter followers so i think we need to uh grade this on on a curve here given the fact (laughs) (laughs) given the fact that i have no following whatsoever that my my mine was graded and voted for just on the purity of the quality of my card alone and and everyone knows amy you know as loyal diehard uh fans which i don't as evidenced by you know, the fact that she's got 10,000 more followers than I do. So I, I think that we need to grade this and give me, bump me up a little bit here. Uh, so I call myself the basic, the winner of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. No, yeah. Uh, good, good job to Amy. Yeah, yeah. We we all four had um, very good cards. A lot of interesting matchups. You know, there was you could tell like what matches were really good. Some matches were featured on all four cards, and so yeah, really fun exercise to do. And yeah, it's interesting. Shout out to I, our I, sister at All Things Elite. I think I think your downfall is just the fact that the top of our cards ended up being so similar, but the bottom of of the cards mine just ended up being that much more superior. Uh, and so that's what that was your undoing. Yeah. You're not going to dispute that You're just going to agree with it Maybe I'm just not as good as Booker as I thought I was You know <laughs> I mean you are the same person Who booked a ladder match where someone Who was not involved in the match ran in And uh, ascended hey, and grabbed hey, the belt hey, And became hey, champion Hey man that was 2009 That <laughs> that was cutting edge That was innovative That finish ain't never been done before we, we popped the territory with that finish. We got mad heat on Xavier Kane for, you know, stepping in there and stealing <laughs> the title. So when uh, when you did it, it was cutting edge. But when WWE did it with Brock Lesnar at uh, uh, Money in the Bank, it was bullshit, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I... I, I I wanted to win the AEW New Japan contest. I don't like losing, and I lost, so you know that, that kind of sucks. <laughs> you know, I, I think both of our downfalls, like we talked about when we booked these things, we kind of booked it like it was the beginning of a series, and like we still we had great cards, but obviously there was other dream. We could have just threw out like ten singles dream matches. Yeah, if I want to just throw out like like Kenny and and you know. Uh, Whoever, yeah, could have done that. I guess whatever, it's fine. Uh, I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too salty. Uh, uh, everyone that voted for me, uh, thank you. Everyone that didn't, you're dead to me. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! No, yeah, it was fun though. Yeah, and so be on the lookout. We are planning on doing some more kind of interactive voting stuff in the future. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you follow. The at social suplex account and all of our Twitter accounts to you know, be active and get involved in those polls. Definitely. All right. So we got some news here. Then we we'll get into the questions and then 
Uh, we'll be reviewing My Dad is a Heel Wrestler, and we're going to be joined by Rich Latta for that segment of the show to review that movie. Um, so starting off with the news here. So uh came out last week that uh, New Japan canceled five more dates, house shows from April 12th to April 18th. And at this point, the first event back on the schedule is April 19th at Cork and Hall. But clearly there's no talent or card announced for that because, you know, right now they're still kind of playing it week by week and not really hopeful um, for the, for cards to continue in April. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, I'm not surprised that they've continued to, to cancel these events as the uh, prevailing circumstances are ongoing. But, um, you know, there you never know. There might be a chance with things seeming to improve over on that side of, you know, the, con- uh, the world, maybe they do run a, a cork and hall show on the 19th. You know, uh, there's a lot of other, you know, companies that are running shows. I, and that's not me saying they should or shouldn't do it. I don't know, but there is a chance it might happen. Yeah. And then we have a note here for foreign talent. The Japanese government announced on April 2nd that any, Foreigner who leaves Japan starting on April 3rd will not be able to return anytime soon. Um, so, I, you know, luckily a lot of the guys in talent from New Japan are already out of the country. Um, so none of them would get stuck there if they were if they didn't live there. But I don't know how easy it's going to be for them to get into the country, though. I, I can tell you this much. I would be happy to be stuck in Japan. That you can't, yeah, you can't really complain about that. Um, well, I guess there's not really much to do if you're stuck inside, though. But um, you know that happened to um, Dragon Gate commentator Larry Dallas, who does the, the English commentary. He he got um, stuck there in Japan because he wanted to stay I, there and I, do the commentary. I'd Uber Eats. <laughs> so Uber Eats from uh, Yano's restaurant. Yeah, be chilling. <laughs> Um, and then also, in more news here, the Wrestle Dynasty ticket sales were postponed. The pre-sale registration has been extended. So May 13th will be the new pre-sale date. So if you sign up for that pre-sale registration, you can get the, the pre-sale code to allow you to buy tickets on May 13th. And then on sale to the general public will be May 15th. And we talked two about... Days, two days before my birthday. Yeah, and we talked about this last week that, you know, we made a plea like they really need to push... These pre-sale and on-sale dates, it was supposed to be this week, and clearly, you know, people in the office, they're, they're listening to keeping it strong style every week, and took our advice to heart. You know, Jeremy, there's moments uh, when it comes to, you know, our uh, audio podcasting career where you just feel proud, you know, and this is one of those moments. Uh, I just like to know that we're making a difference out there, and as you mentioned, it's very evident that someone from the office was definitely listening. They were like, oh. The Kiss Boy said uh, we need to postpone it. Uh, you know, Harold, we're pushing this thing back. And, uh, <laughs> you know, hats off to them. So that's great. And we did have a question here from William Johnson in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. He said, how optimistic are you two about Wrestle Dynasty taking place? If it does continue as schedule, how do you anticipate ticket sales might go? Uh, well, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic it's happening, personally. Uh that doesn't mean that like it's for for certain, but I mean, you know, when is that supposed to be? August. August twenty second. Okay, you know, so it's April now, May, June, July, August. You know, so we got four months. Uh, 
I just have to hope and pray that this doesn't continue on for another four months at this point. You know, I hope, you know, uh, the states get their acts together. The president gets his act together. You know, everyone who, you know, the, the citizens who are not listening and still going to going out and stuff, you know, whatever. But um, I just hope that everyone pulls together and, you know, we kind of beat this thing so that I can go to the garden and watch New Japan. Yeah, you know, that's going to be a couple days after my birthday, and so I definitely want to spend my, my birthday week in New York and be able to go to that MSG show. So, yeah, I'm going to be praying that the thing kind of gets cleared up here and we kind of get back to some kind of normal and we're free to travel um, to New York that summer. And so it'd be a fun time to get together with listeners and, you know, watch New Japan. As far as the, uh, what was the rest of the question? Just was it just simply how optimistic are we? You said, well, how would uh, how do you anticipate ticket sales might go? Oh yeah, I knew there was something else. So as far as that's concerned, that's really hard to kind of gauge because obviously, when you do a show like this, you're hoping and praying for you know some forward momentum, you know some buzz, that sort of thing. And right now, with them not running any shows or even really having much, I mean, it's it's already a niche product in the states, and then. You know, for them to have no TV, no shows running on the app, uh, you know, hopefully by the time that this thing, by the time Wrestle Dynasty comes around, maybe the story will be flipped. But right now it feels like, you know, the the diehards who love New Japan are, are thirsting for it, you know, but other people who maybe were peripheral or who were, weren't so much fans at all, uh, maybe like casuals, like. I don't hear very much buzz about this, so I don't know. I, I don't know if that would translate to good ticket sales by the time this – if this thing goes on for a while longer and there's not a good buildup or, or lead into the show, I don't know. On the other hand, there will be an appetite from consumers once things uh, kind of are lifted for live entertainment, especially sports entertainment, and – um you know, maybe it would work in their advantage, but at the same time, it goes back to the things we've, and we say it every time when it comes to New Japan running in the States, marketing, advertising, awareness, you know, visibility, uh, the card being announced. There's a lot of things that would need to happen there. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll see some good ticket sales. I'm not sure if it's going to sell out right away. You know, you do have people who have lost their jobs, people who are being furloughed, who might not have yeah. the income to they might want to buy tickets, but they might not be able to financially afford to buy tickets at that moment. Um, but then again, you, you do have, you know, people who were had money planned going to WrestleMania weekend, and that got canceled. So there are people who have money from that trip. Um, you know, people who would go to Double or Nothing, that's still up in the air whether Double or Nothing is going to happen or not. So hypothetically, if that show ends up getting canceled, that's another big travel show that people would have funds for. And people could save those funds and be like, hey, I really want to go for a wrestling show. Even if I'm not a diehard New Japan fan, like I have all this travel money from two trips. Like I, I want to go check out, you know, Madison Square Garden. I want to check out this Wrestle Dynasty. Yeah, and I, I think you bring up a good point. But at the same time, um, you know, there's not that tie-in that they had in the past with WrestleMania weekend. Like we're already here. You know what I mean? Right. This is people who have to kind of go out of their way for it. And you brought up a lot. I, I feel like there's a lot of things working against it. All those financial issues you brought up, um, all the marketing issues I kind of brought up, you know, uh, who's to say that those fans who um, have those extra funds who might have gone to WrestleMania or, you know, AEW even know about this. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe they like you. You might be correct in saying that like they have extra money. These other big shows aren't happening. They would probably pay out for this, but they gotta know about it for them to even to consider to do that and it seems to me in a lot of cases people don't even know about it right yeah once you kind of get into the the quote-unquote kind of casual wrestling fan there's there's not a lot of talk or buzz about this show right now so but if they run the right card with the right star power and the right appeal then that kind of changes things because then the awareness is lifted a lot higher uh, here in the States, I don't think New Japan as a brand itself is what draws people. I think it's the stars as opposed to like in maybe say domestically. Of course, there's a lot of star power, but the brand itself, they could pretty much run, you know, any, they could run a lower sea level show and still have a good turnout at a Cork and Hall. They, they can't, they've, but they've already evidenced that they can't do turn around and do the same thing in the States anymore. You know, they've right. tried that with this last tour and that it, that doesn't work. They, they need the stars. They need, uh, you know, something that is appealing to the average fans. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So time will tell, we'll see what happens, um, in a month from now, a month or so from now, when tickets go on sale free now on NJPW world, new beginning in Miami and new beginning in Raleigh are now free to watch ring of honor has put up the G one Supercard from Madison square garden last year up for free. On their they, YouTube channel, they also put up uh, the last couple Super Card of Honor shows, including the one from uh, New Orleans that featured quite a few, quite a uh, a bit of a New Japan presence on that show as well. Yeah, Ishii, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, all featured on that New Orleans card. Tanahashi, yeah, lots of guys. There is a uh, Zack Saber Jr. Part One interview up on NJPW1972.com. We got the the token shop globals coming April tenth. There's going to be a new store that will be dedicated to serving international customers, both in the USA and worldwide. Simple and easy to use, top quality New Japan merchandise is now easier than ever to get your hands on. And they're going to be celebrating the launch of the new store. They'll be giving away a free button badge to every customer who spends fifty dollars or more at the online store, and customers who spend hundred dollars will get both a button badge and a free bumper sticker so essentially you know for u.s fans and international we're getting our pretty much our own access to the new japan shop yeah which i love that because um you know it's great that we've got um and everything like that but to be honest there's a difference between the authentic new japan merchandise and then you know the printed stuff that you get from pro wrestling tees which um was very evident to me when I got my line mark shirt and then I realized that there was a champion's logo on the freaking arm. And I was like, God, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hate that so much. So it, yeah, it's going to be cool. I hope, um, I hope the prices aren't too crazy because that's one thing I've noticed. There's a, there's a big markup on the new Japan merchandise at a lot of the live shows we've attended where they have the authentic stuff. And, um, so that, that kind of stinks. Um, the other thing too is the sizing. So I hope like with them doing a, a U.S. uh, shop, obviously sizes run larger in the States than they do over in Asia. And I've noticed myself getting my hands on like a uh, large or even XL sometimes are like too small. <laughs> yeah. So it's a tight <laughs> so, squeeze. Yeah. So I'm hoping that they like kind of account for that. Uh, you know, not saying that they have to cater to us, but if it's going to be a U.S. shop, maybe, have like a chart that kind of explains the sizes so people don't end up buying the wrong thing you know what i mean right 
Then um, last thing I have here in the news, uh, Rocky Romero was on the NWW official English podcast last week. And this week, Big Scott Norton was on the NWW official English podcast. So check both those interviews out. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten a chance. I listened to the Rocky Romero uh, podcast. Obviously, he's he's always great to have on. Um, I started listening to Scott Norton. I didn't get through that one um, completely yet, but I'm, it's on the docket for tomorrow, honestly. And um, yeah, I mean, Scott Norton, one of my favorite big guys of you know the past. Yeah, and we did get a chance to meet Scott when we were at Dallas for uh, G1 in uh, Dallas there and you know, chatted him up a little bit. Also, we got the drop from him. We got his number to potentially do an interview down the line. So, you know, yeah, we should. Pro- we, with, with what's going on now, it wouldn't be a bad idea that we call him. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of guys like that over the years that like we we have their contact info. Like they've agreed to come on, and then like you know something crazy happens, we end up not being able to do the right. interview or whatever. Well, a lot of times too, it's not not always like New Japan based. So like for us, it's hard to do because especially with, during a normal time, you know, we have so much to cover, preview, right. and review. So it's hard for us to kind of get extra interviews in. Um, yeah, but I mean, I would love, you know, the funny thing is like we we met with Scott, you know, back in July. Like we, uh, like you said, we have the drop and everything like that. And at the time he was uh, doing the uh, the advert- or the press for his book and we were supposed to have him come on and, and everything like that. And then we never got around to it. Now Chris Charlton did it. And I'm, and like, we could really use that interview. Now. Yeah. That <laughs> looks like, like we're kind of like, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, dang it. He was on the new Japan world or uh, the new Japan English uh, podcast, but like, I would still love to have him on. So yeah, and I, I listened to it and I think we can go a little bit of a different spin than what Chris did. I think we can ask him a couple different stuff. So maybe I'll, re- I'll reach out to Scott this week. and Maybe we can get something uh, lined up here. That'd be cool. Yeah. And uh, I'm still working on reaching out to other English-speaking wrestlers, so we might have some more interviews coming up down the line here to help us fill out the show. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, call in the favors. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> now, uh, moving on to questions. So first question comes from Reddit user Hawaiian Punch BV. You guys touched on the topic last week and talked about the ideas that New Japan could do for Best of Super Juniors. One of you mentioned that they could do all domestic talent tournament. Politics aside... Who would you choose to fill up both blocks? Talent from All Japan, DT, Dragon Gate, W1, etc. are available. Fancy booking caps on. There would be maybe 10 Japanese juniors from last year's Best of Super Junior, minus Shingo, Narita, and Taka, adding Hiromu and Desperado. So six spots open. All right, so Josh, I know that you have come up with your list of people who you would put in the Best of Super Juniors. And I have also come up with a list. My New Japan side is pretty much the same as yours. But I have found some other, some different Japanese talent from your list, so we can just have a little bit of diff- uh, variance here. Okay, that's good. Um, I'm glad you did that, actually. Uh, so normally, when we come on this show, I don't actually like prep anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was running through the questions, and like once I saw this question, I was like, "Oh man, they did it! They, they, <laughs> they're they're forcing us to actually like put in some actual work." Um, cause this is, a, this is a great question, but let me be clear here, listeners. Um, number one, I was the one who had, uh, mentioned maybe doing an all domestic tournament down the line. Uh, number two, um, and I think Jeremy probably agree with me in this. I don't watch other Japanese wrestling promotions. <laughs> Same uh, <here. laughs> I will now, sometimes it might seem like I do. 
if I mention some of the bigger names from like Dragon Gate or All Japan or, you know, Noah. Uh, but I'm pretty much what you'd call classic cherry picker at this point with, with how much uh, New Japan we have to cover and everything like that and all the other different things going on in my life. I don't actually watch in depth like the full cards of these companies. So when it comes to uh, the junior divisions, I'm not really that knowledgeable on, on the junior wrestling. Um, so this was quite a task. So I say all that to say this. This is a disclaimer. This is not a pro expert giving you this awesome um, best of super juniors potential card. This is a novice who happens to know a lot about new Japan pro wrestling <laughs> and old pro, but not so much modern pro. Like I'm, I could tell you a handful of matches I've maybe seen from the guys that are going to be on my list. Right. And I'm the exact same. You know, I, I hear a hot match that happens. I find a way to check it out. And I watch that. I don't watch full cards of any other Japanese promotion besides New Japan. Well, except Stardom would be the other, the only other, and that's Joshi, the only other Japanese promotion. You like Gato Move, too. <laughs> Honestly, I, I have not even watched a whole Gato Move match. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just love saying that you like it. <laughs> um, I actually thought about throwing Antonio Honda on this. So list. did I. <laughs> Uh, I checked his. Uh, I checked his weight. He's like, oh, he's right on the limit. Maybe I'll put him in. The, he's on the limit. Yeah, I was like, maybe I'll put um, him in there. And also, uh, shout out to the different sources I kind of uh, reference. Uh, most of my familiarity comes from things like Eastern Lariat Radio, Voices of Wrestling, um, Open the Voice Gate. Uh, what's what's the other pro show that they have? Um, wrestling Omakaze. Yeah, Wrestling Omakaze. A lot of those guys. Uh, even Pacific Rim podcast so there's some of, those are some of the different um things that made me familiar here and then i kind of just utilized like cage match um the, the voices of wrestling match the year list was a really good resource and then just wikipedia so uh with that being said without further ado here's my list so um i kind of assumed in in the past few years we've done a 60-man tournament last year they did a 20-man tournament so that would be you know again 20 you know 10 guys in each block um I kind of talked to you about this, Jeremy, and you said that based on the dates, it looked like they'd probably be running another 20-man block, correct? Correct. So with that being the case, um, we figured that there'd be about 10 domestic talent that we knew for sure would be in this tournament. So for New Japan, it'd be Sho, Yo, Tiger Mask 4, Taguchi, Bushi, Hiromu, Ishimori, Desperado, uh, Doki, and then Yumura. And then aside, I guess there's some other people you could hypothetically throw in there or change, but those are the staple like uh, domestic guys from New Japan. I thought about Robbie Eagles because he's kind of close, you know, New Zealand and everything. But I I don't know what the what the travel ordinance is if he'd even be able to get in for right. this, you know. Right. Um, so with that being the case, I what I wanted to do here was kind of just grab one or two guys from most of the big companies. Some companies literally only have like one viable junior that's like marketable. That's a, a good person. Some companies have like, like for instance, DDT and Dragon Gate specifically just have a plethora, like so many guys. So um, the guys I end up going out, going with is from Just Tap Out, the founder of that company, New Japan alumni. He was in this tournament last year, so it seems like an easy fit. Takamichinoku. <laughs> <laughs> um after that, I 
grabbed a guy from Dragon Gate, and there's quite a few Dragon Gate guys that you could have gone with. Uh, I've gone with two. The first one is Ben K., who I have seen some some matches of, and I, I really like his work, and I think he'd be awesome in this tournament. Um, after that, I went with uh, Yuma Aoyagi. Yeah. Uh, from All Japan. I believe he's pretty much kind of like the ace of their junior division at this point, from what I can tell, but again, not too knowledgeable. Um, after that, I went to, um, I grabbed a freelancer. Um, right now, he's spending most of his time in Freedoms and Big Japan Pro Wrestling in Masashi Takeda. You know, big name, very well known, deathmatch guy, also former MMA fighter. So he can, you know, brawl with the best of them. He can also do, you know, the, the, the strong style shoot fights. I saw him in, uh, Jonathan Gresham last year at Bloodsport, which was just freaking awesome. Uh, a guy like him with scars all over his body from you know light two matches, you wouldn't think is a, is a great you know technical wrestler, but he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, after that, I uh, went to DDT and I grabbed one of their uh, best junior guys. So I took Tetsuya Endo uh, from NOAA. I grabbed um, Daisuke Harada, who I think is again probably like their top junior guy in NOAA. Um, I went all the way to the minor leagues in Michinoku Pro and grabbed uh, someone I've always liked, uh, High Flare Fujita Hayato um, from DDT. Pretty much the consensus top talent in the company right now, uh, Kanesuke Takashida. And then from Big Japan, I grabbed um, Takuya Nomura, who is a junior but also spends most of his time in their strong division. So I grabbed from Big Japan, I grabbed a guy from the strong division and from the deathmatch division, which is pretty cool. And then finally, from Dragon Gate, I grabbed, uh, you know, Pearl Legend uh, Masaki Mochizuki, which should round it out to... Now, here's the only thing. I don't think that a tournament like this could ever happen in New Japan because I've literally grabbed what I consider to pretty much be aces and top, you know, high-flying talent from all over Japan who I don't, I don't know. The politics here would just be, you know, fucking insane. But right. <laughs> you, you look at that list of names, and I, I think I did a pretty good job. Yeah, man, it's a pretty, pretty tight list right there. All right, so uh, for my list, for all New Japan guys, I had pretty much everybody you had. I did add, add in uh, Kanemaru, who was in the tournament last year. Did I forget Kanemaru? Yeah. I don't know how I did that, to be honest with you. And then I did add in <laughs> somebody who is not in the junior division, but he weighs in as a junior. Oh, um, you threw in... Kenta? I did. I, I thought about I thought about doing that. And just, you know, he said put your fancy booking cap on, so that's what I did. So, you know, Kenta is, you know, regarded as one of the, you know, best junior uh, wrestlers in Japan and a junior that crossed over to heavyweight division. But one thing Kenta's never done is won a best of the super juniors, and he wants to add that on the resume before he retires. So he's going to enter this year's tournament and fill out the field. And I, I would do a storyline very similar to last year where he's in a Shingo role where he just destroys his block and goes to the finals against somebody who they're trying to push, maybe show and, or maybe Hiromu and you kind of have a big uh, final match here of Kenta versus whoever you want to go over there. I like that Kenta Hiromu matchup. Uh, you know, one, one other thing too, is if you wanted to go that route, you could do this with Zack Sabre. You could do this with, with Ishii, believe it or not. You could do it with, uh, like you said, Kenta, or even Shingo. You could throw Shingo back in there. So, I mean, there are some some heavyweight guys that they could bring back 
if if it got dire, you know, enough that they needed to. Right. All right. Now for the guys that I'll be bringing in outside of New Japan. So uh, my first two. I bet guys- you. I, I know. I know one for sure that <laughs> at least two that I think you're for sure bringing in. Okay. So my first two guys come from Dragon Gate. So first, I'm going to bring in KZ. Uh, That's a good pick. So I thought he, about bringing him in. I saw him have a match of Pack last year. Um, open the uh, open the I think it was open the Dreamgate uh, Championship title match. And yeah, I thought he was pretty good. I was uh, pretty impressed by that matchup there. That's one of the Dragon Gate matches I did watch last year. So I'd bring KZ in. Then I would bring in the the current champ Naroki Doi. Who just uh, I I love Naroki Doi. Just recently won the belt, so I'd bring him in. Yeah, that those are two really really good good choices. I thought about bringing in Doi, but I was like, if you bring him in, he's the champion, right? Yeah, it'd be kind of you can't lose too much. <laughs> and that's the thing, Dragon Gate. There's literally like ten other guys you could bring in that are all at the weight limit. They're all just fantastic, right? Uh, the next up from Noah, I would bring in the junior tag team champions uh, Atushi Kogate and Kotaro Suzuki. Bring them in to kind of fill out the card there. Okay. And then I'm going to bring in a freelancer who spends a lot of time in NOAA. I've seen him compete in MLW, Minoru Tanaka. Yeah. Uh, actually, I didn't think you were going to bring in Heat, but that's cool. Uh, Minoru Tanaka, former IWGP junior champion. Like, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought about him, too, actually. I know I know you liked him a lot because I saw the match. You, you kind of, like, popped when he came out. Uh, yeah, I love Minoru Tanaka. Then next, I would bring in from 2AW, Ayato Yoshida. I thought about that, but I was like, he wrestles as like a heavyweight primarily, but weight-wise, weight, weight wise, he's on the limit. Right, and has a little bit of history there in New Japan when uh, right. he was there for a little bit. So bring him back. He's a little bit more experienced now. He's a little bit more seasoned. Let's see what he's got. That's good. Now, my last two picks... Could be considered cheating, um, but as of yesterday, both of these gentlemen were in Japan and worked a DDT show. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my two picks from DDT, I would bring in Chris Brooks and Speedball Mike Bailey. Um, those, would t- those would be two really, really great guys to bring in for this. Yeah, um, seen both of those guys work before. Uh, pretty good worker. Speedball Mike Bailey was a guy who was tearing up the U.S. indie scene, um, but then got in some, I can't remember if it was legal trouble or something with his passport or his uh, paperwork or whatever, um, and had to be out of the country for X amount of time. So he's mainly been wrestling in Canada, his home country, in Japan. Um, so whenever this guy can get back in the States, that would be great. But yeah, Speedball Mike Bailey... Is a great worker, and so is Chris Brooks. I think they would uh, kind of fill out the tournament great here. Now, here's some names that I thought you would list that you didn't list that are freelancers that are out there. I, w- I kind of get why you didn't, though, but I'm a little surprised you didn't go with Tajiri. Mm, I did think about Tajiri, though. I'm surprised you didn't go with uh, Ultimo Dragon. I thought about him, too. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm surprised you didn't do any strong hearts at all. No Shima, no T-Hawk. Well, I don't know where those guys are right now. I assume they're in Japan. Because they were doing like MLW tapings, and I don't know if they like and yeah. got back to Japan or got stuck here in the States. So well, I-, I think the, the thing, though, is if you're domestic, you can come back to your home country in most cases. Gotcha. So 
I think they would have been fine. But yeah, I was surprised you didn't go with any of them because those are all guys that I know you're a lot more familiar with. So yeah, uh, I, I but I, I like your list. Your list is uh, pretty varied, actually. And plus, since you know, strong hearts are AEW, you know, AEW. I, I, <laughs> I thought about that. I also thought about going with um, Shitaro Shino. Uh, Ashino, the guy from Wrestle One, he's kind of like their their big star ace, who actually just signed with All Japan. Spoiler alert! Uh, but I know he doesn't even wrestle really as a junior, but he's on that limit. And I was like, you know, that, that might be cool bring him in. But uh, yeah, those were our lists. Boom. And this last part of his question he says, also, was my dad as a heel wrestler robbed of an Oscar nomination? Uh, well, you'll have to listen to our review to, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to get the, uh, the full review on that, but, um, that's coming up here later in the show, but I love the movie. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. We'll, we'll review that pretty soon here. Um, next question here from Reddit user Grunty Dodd. He says, what are some of the best bloodiest matches on world that you can recommend? Okay. Awesome. So, uh, this is a great question, Grunty Dodds. And, uh, two questions that really made us work back to back, which I like, which, you know, mo- most of the time we're just shooting off rip, like literally. So um, I went ahead and just grabbed 10 matches that I know exist out there that are New Japan matches. I know most of them are on the uh, network or the network on world. I don't know if all of them are, but um, I'll just kind of uh, go through them real quick and I'll give you guys the dates. So if you are listening, you might want to, and you want to like take note, these are all pretty good matches or really great matches that, are really bloody. <laughs> so, you know, you might want to put pause, grab your notepad and then write these down. So I'm going to start with a, I'm going to cheat here a little bit. Two part match. Uh, the great Muda versus Hiroshi Hase. Um, everyone is knows of the, the very famous match from December 14th, 1992. That's the Muda scale match where they set the, the scale for, you know, blood in all pro wrestling. But a lot of people don't realize that there's a more, uh, a less famous match from september 14th 1990 that i think is arguably much bloodier that sets the tone and story for the rematch in 92 so if you've never seen that one i would say go out of your way um after that there i'm gonna go through the list quickly uh uh antonio inoki versus uh hiro saito from april 27th 1987 uh the famous uh match where they fight uh with uh handcuffs on and Saito bleeds everywhere. It's pretty great. Um, after that, uh, Great Muda versus Jinzei Shinzaki, also known as um, what was his name in WWE? Haku, Hakushi. Hakushi, yeah. Uh, from April 29th, 1996. Uh, Shinzaki bleeds so bad his white pants turn red. <laughs> um, after that, um, probably the, the bloodiest match in all of new Japan pro wrestling history, uh, Yuji Nagata versus Kensuke Sasaki from, uh, the Tokyo dome on January 4th, 2004. That is on world. That is a bloodbath. That's really, really, really bad. <laughs> and, um, this one gives a, gives it a run for its money. Uh, Yuji Nagata versus, uh, Toki Makabe from July 6, 2000. And 2007 and i think they just uploaded it on world which i i couldn't believe they did because that one's pretty brutal also um this one is hard to find it's not on world but if you've ever seen it go out of your way to watch it uh katsuyori shibata versus uh kazunari murakami from october 13 2003 murakami literally fucks up shibata maybe the worst i've ever seen a guy get fucked up in a wrestling match it's it's hard to watch it's pretty bad um Tatsumi Fujinami versus Akira Maeda from uh, June 12th, 1986. The famous match between these two guys, I think got five stars from Dave Meltzer. 
and it was stopped for blood loss. Pretty great. Um, and it's a shoot. It's, it's not blade job. So it's hard way, which is pretty cool. Um, also the famous match, uh, wrestling observer match of the year, uh, Naoki Sano versus Jushin Thunder Liger, uh, January 31st, 1990. Um, after that, uh, two other ones that I wanted to mention Hulk Hogan versus Abdul the butcher, May 26, 1982. This is probably the first time I've ever seen Hulk Hogan Hulk up ever in a wrestling ring or on recorded tape that I can remember. Mm. And, uh, it, you know, it's against Abdullah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy actually. Uh, it's like 1980s Hogan versus like a bloodthirsty Abdullah. It's pretty, pretty crazy. And then, um, the last one is Yano versus Tenzon from September 26, 2015. Uh, this is the one where Tenzon fucks up the diving headbutt and actually splits Yano wide open uh, with the headbutt, like legit, and he bleeds everywhere uh, during the G1. Um, which that one, actually, that's July 26, 2015. And um, I didn't name them all, but there's a bunch of like Tenzon and a bunch of like uh, Makabe matches, especially those chain matches yeah, Makabe had. I, I have a few matches here. So I saw your list, and you, you know, you pretty much got all, all the, the top ones there. But I did kind of, um, in my research today, find a few more that uh, you guys can check out. So there's um, Nagata versus Makabe from New Japan Cup 2007, uh, Nakamura versus Makabe uh, from April 8th, 2007. Then there's Hiroki Goto versus Makabe from the G1 2008. Makabe versus Nakamura from G1 2009. Nakamura versus Fale from the 2014 New Japan Cup Finals. And then AJ Styles versus Hiroshi Tanahashi from New Beginning in Osaka 2015. Yeah, that's the one where uh, I think Tanahashi like jumps off for the high fly flow and he, he hits his head on one of the Young Bucks. Yeah. Uh, and he starts bleeding everywhere, like, hard way. It's pretty great, actually. Uh, I think sa- same thing happened with Nakamura in the following match. Like, he got bust open hard way. Yeah, and I, I've seen those last two matches. The other two matches I have not seen, I kind of had, like, fast forward to see, like, the bloodiness. But, yeah, they were, they were, they were pretty bloody, so. Um, and, I mean, some of the more, like, recent ones, Naito and Jericho, uh, Jericho and Kenny Omega, like, those, those had some blood in them, too, so. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Kyle Martin from the Wrestling Squared Circle. He has uh, four questions here. Uh, so his first question, why does practically every single New Japan show have throwaway eight-man tag team matches? And keep in mind, Kyle is a, a newer uh, viewer to New Japan. He's not a constant viewer of New Japan, but he listens to our show every week to kind of uh, get his info on New Japan. Okay, uh, that's a great question. Do you want to start, Jeremy? Yeah, I can start. Uh, and so, you know, from a an American wrestling fan standpoint, you know, a lot of times eight man tags, you don't really don't see them that often. Usually, they're kind of usually maybe like go home shows or kind of build to multiple programs. It might seem like a little bit of a bigger of a deal, but in New Japan, they use these eight man tags either as a part of previewing matches, or you have kind of like your faction versus faction. Like overall in that tour. There might be like Lij and Chaos might be feuding throughout the whole tour, so you have these eight man, um, you know, tag matches kind of set up, and then also it's it's just a way for get people on the card, especially like you know your your New Japan dads. You're not gonna put you know guys like Kojima and Tenzan and Nagata in you know singles matches every night. You're gonna put them 
in these eight man, six man tags and have them work with the younger young lions there. You get them over nice nostalgic pop. You get some experience for the young lions, and and you per, you persevere you know, preserve these new Japan dads. Yeah, and you bring up a great point there, Jeremy. I I concur with everything you, you mentioned. When you talk about perse- perse- uh you know preservation of the wrestlers, you know with these guys having such a hectic tour, hectic schedule, can you imagine how much harder they'd all have to work if they were doing singles matches primarily, you know, most nights of the week? And that's how it is in the states. You know, you'll have a guy like let's say. Cena and the Fiend, and then they're gonna do for the next two months. You know, maybe one month they'll wrestle like you know five nights a week in singles matches, and then the next month they're doing cage matches. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, um, that gets taxing, and not only that, um, you know, those are house shows that can't really get aired. There's not a lot of like uh, marketability to that. You know what I mean? Like like they talked about like doing that with the network before. They're like, well, what if we started airing all the house shows? And it's like. Would anyone want to watch that? The matches aren't even really that good if you think about it because they're saving themselves for TV, saving themselves for pay-per-view and everything of that nature. What's nice here is everyone gets on the card, like you mentioned. So when when fans go, they get to see the guys that they like. And they don't get to see them put in a sorry-ass performance in a house show match that doesn't that's throwaway. They get to see them maybe not put in a Wrestle Kingdom-level performance, but they get to see them have a good, really good, solid match that they're not exerting themselves the whole time because it's a multi-man, six-man, eight-man, ten-man tag that allows them to get their shit in and allows them to be showcased but still kind of saves them. And then for the storytelling elements, you know, the faction aspect of New Japan is a very, very important aspect to the ongoing stories just all throughout the thing. So it's not just that they're throwaway, like they are, they're, there's developing stories all the time, you know, and people complain with New Japan about how there's no talking segments or very few of them. And where are the stories? Well, the stories are happening in the match. So you have to be watching the actual throwaway, quote unquote, eight man tags to see the nuanced stories that are taking place in the ring, because that's where they set up feuds. That's where they set up uh, the storylines and you know, the other thing too is I'll just say this, like aside from like probably Dragon Gate, New Japan has the best multi-man tag team matches like in the world. So, you know, they can be somewhat formulaic, but they're always good. Like I very rarely ever see bad multi-man matches in New Japan. Right. Either they're short because they're the openers like New, J- New Japan Dad versus Young Lions. It's a nice little short opening match or you know it's like lij we talk about all the time lij has the best multi-man tags they're such a uh, solid unit and it's you know a great matchup like those guys against chaos against suzuki and against bullet club um so yeah those matches aren't wasted at all and you know you might look at the schedule and you might see lij versus chaos three nights in a row eight man tag and you're like what do i need to watch all these eight man tags and you mentioned the stories are there like they might not do the same finish every single night one maybe a chaos guy gets to win one night. Lij get, guy gets to win the next night, or, or there's some kind of post match, you know, scuffle or pushing or kind of by language between certain guys. Like they tell different stories. They advance the stories in each of these matches each night. Well, here's the other thing too, and I I just want to touch on this before we move on to the next part of the question. Um, in the states, it used to be where if you were going to see a good wrestling match between two top stars, like two top single stars. You either needed to go to the house shows because 
everything was a touring business. Like when you watch TV, it was all squash matches with maybe one C-list singles match between maybe the Repo Man and Rick the Mama Martel. You know what I mean? Something like that. Like, or you had to watch pay-per-view or you had to watch like a, a NBC special, like Saturday night's main event. Like it wasn't until wrestling went to uh, like live format with the Monday, with like Monday night raw and everything to where we started actually getting, Oh, we're going to get Kane and boss man tonight. Oh, we're going to get eight matches that are all single. Like we, we're getting pay-per-view level matches. But then it turned into we're getting that all the time, all the time. So now when you watch WWE, I mean, it's very rare that you see a match that hasn't been thrown away or given away on free TV multiple times before you actually see it to where like, you know, they just did like Kevin Owens and, and uh, you know, uh, what, what's his name? Seth Rollins on the pay-per-view. And we saw them in like a million matches two years ago right? and then a bunch just now. So like it kind of doesn't matter. In New Japan, they save those matches for the big shows, and that's why they do the multi-man matches is to protect those matches so they're not constantly throwing away all those matches. That's why when they do, say, like the G1, and they run a, a two-month tournament that's all singles matches, everyone's minds are blown because we didn't get those all year long. Like It's very rare to get singles matches in New Japan. Right. So it's, it's smart for them. So his second question here, he says, does Gato discriminate against older wrestlers? I've been watching since New Year's Dash 2016, and I find NJPW is a place to be for guys in their prime in their lives. However, other than Tanahashi, Ishii, Jericho, and Suzuki don't get rewarded with world title runs despite them seemingly near constant great performances. Um, I mean... So here's the thing, like those are all c- completely different scenarios, to be honest. And I don't think uh, any of them have to do with age, except for maybe Suzuki, to be honest with you. Like in Ishii's case, they weren't going to give him a title run when he was young. <laughs> <laughs> that has to that has to do with uh, public perception, perception from from the uh, office. That has to do with like his background prior to coming to New Japan Pro Wrestling and. And, you know, just basically perception. And, you know, at this point in 2020, he's at a higher status than he was in 2015 or, or 2016, you know. Well, yeah, I think uh, so he, he, he's saying that, yeah, Ishii is like one of these guys, even though he's older, is gets like a spot, spotlight. But it's not because of his age. Right. No, no, no. He's saying, however, other than Tanahashi, e, or other than Tanahashi, Ishii, Jericho, and Suzuki don't get rewarded with world title runs. Yeah, I think he's trying to say, like, those are the four guys that kind of get, like... No, he's saying they don't. He's saying other than Tanahashi, Ishii, Jericho, and Suzuki don't get rewarded with title runs. Gotcha. I mean, Tanahashi... Well, Tanahashi was just champion not too long ago. Right, he's saying other than Tanahashi. Yeah. All the other old guys in the company don't get opportunities or or get the spotlight, basically. That's what it sounds like to me, based on what he's saying. And then, like... You know, Jericho obviously is a different situation altogether because he's a star outside and he has been given a uh, title opportunity in the past. Even just he headlined Dominion. He's like a headliner. Mm-hmm. And Suzuki's had multiple title uh, shots as well. So, I mean, um, I don't think that like he has a thing against guys who are out of their prime, but obviously the working level in New Japan is extremely high. The talent level is extremely high. And when you look at guys like a Jericho or a Suzuki or like, like even say like a Yuji Nagata, guys who can still go who are like really great, 
there are a plethora of guys who are just that much better, who are more well-equipped and like are in place, you know, like you have your big four, your big five right now. And it is, you know, uh, Okada, um, Jay White, um, Abushi, Naito, Abushi and Naito. Those like your four big guys right now. So, I mean, I think you'd have a hard argument to tell me that all the guys that are older than them are surpassed all of them in terms of popularity, star appeal, in-ring working ability, and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as IWGP champion, like, you're you're supposed to be the top guy having the best matches. In the world. Yeah. And so, you know, also, you know, I love Kojima. But I know Kojima is not at the IWGP title level anymore. He can't go out there and have a four to five star main event, thirty plus main event with these guys. Um, so you know, guys like in the Kojima era, you know, they, those kind of guys. So the New Japan dads, they're like we mentioned earlier, they're in the multi man tags. You still see them, and they get their time to shine. They might have a single match every here and there, maybe a never title shot. But yeah, those guys are not going to be featured in the IWGP title scene. I think the fact that he gives all those guys that you mentioned and other ones that weren't mentioned opportunities to have those seemingly great constant performances shows that he's not against them. He gives them plenty of opportunities that most other companies probably wouldn't be giving them at this point. Right. Uh, next part of the question, he says, your guys' opinion of on who is the greatest intercontinental champion in New Japan history? Uh, figure it'll come down to either Nakamura or Naito, but I'm curious if you guys think otherwise. I think it's real simple. It's Nakamura, and there's not, it's not even questionable in my mind. Yeah, same here. Nakamura, I mean, just elevated that title to another level. Obviously, him as champion made a vented over the IWGP title when he had it. So, yeah, hands down, Nakamura. Uh, next question, he said, targeted for Josh, if you don't mind, man, would you please explain to me? What was UWF and their connection to New Japan history, or at least what is the similarity to or the differences between UWF and UWFI, please? It fucks me up because I hear Cornette talk about a different UWF in the States. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, there are – there actually, there's like three UWFs, to be honest with you. Uh, well, act, okay, let me break it down even further. There was three different versions of the J- Japanese UWF, and then there was two different UWFs in the States. There was um, Mid-South Pro Wrestling eventually was turned into UWF by uh, um, Cowboy Bill Watts. So there was that one. And then there was Herb Abrams UWF, which was a totally different uh, wrestling company. But when we're talking about Japanese UWF, we're not talking about those companies. They're, they're talking about the original shoot wrestling company in New Japan or in J- in Japan. So um, not to go into a whole in-depth story lesson, I'll break it down very simply. So Inoki, obviously uh, his whole idea of, sh- of strong style was the idea that wrestling could be portrayed as an actual uh, martial arts form. And so he started having these worked quote unquote shoot fights with wrestle with uh, practitioners of other martial arts. So he fought boxers, judo fighters, karate guys um sambo also you know olympic wrestlers all, all sorts of different martial artists uh and you know he was like they were called different style fights 
at the same time, all the guys that were in the New Japan Dojo were always taught how to actually, what we call, quote-unquote, shoot, how to actually fight. And in the 80s, all these different um, you know, young guys who idolized Inoki, idolized Carl Gotch, and you know, loved the shoot aspect of what they did, but didn't so much love the entertainment aspect or the politics, and were kind of upset that, like, Maybe in the gym, I can whip everybody, but then I got to go out and lay down for Ricky Choshu. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sucks. So uh, there's a lot of guys that kind of got tired of that. And then, you know, the whole idea of Inoki telling them, like, that pro wrestling is a strong martial arts, but then they have to, like, go out there and work the Western style of wrestling. They didn't like that. So there was a collection of young talent in the early 80s who left to form their own wrestling promotion called the UWF. They it was somewhat successful in the beginning, but the problem was was that their two biggest stars, Satoru Sayama and Akira Maeda, had different philosophies. They actually ended up getting into a real fight, which pretty much ended the promotion. Most of those guys came back to New Japan, had a uh, had an invasion angle. They did great business, and then after a year or two, a lot of them left to go start their own UWF again. This one, this time, it was called UWF Reborn. And that lasted for about a year or two. And then same thing. They came back, most of them, to uh, New Japan. Um, and when everything kind of broke down in the late 80s, a lot of those guys ended up um, splitting off into three sub-different groups. There was uh, the guys that went to PWFG. There was the guys that went to um, Rings with Kira Maeda. And then there was the guys that went with Takata to start UWFI, which was the, the third successor to the, the other two UWFs. Very similar in style, not exactly the same. Um, you know, and then eventually, you know, UWFI and New Japan had their big um, rivalry in the mid-90s where they ended up like breaking all the uh, Tokyo Dome gate records. For about a one to two year period, UWFI was the largest drawing wrestling promotion in the entire world because it was perceived as being real, even though it wasn't. Mm. Boom. Nice little history lesson there for you guys. And there's a lot more you guys can look into that. I mean, I love that stuff. So moving on to the next question here from Reddit user, Brian James interactive. He says, was my dad is a heel wrestler low key modeled on Takashi Iska. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think it actually was, but low key, maybe it was. <laughs> yeah, you know, young, young, good looking guy is a top, you know, kind of a top guy and then gets older and kind of does like a crazy gimmick. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when I think of young Takashi Iska, I think about like him getting uh, destroyed by the Steiners in WCW. Uh, <laughs> I think about, I think about the great match he had with uh, Owen Hart in, um, Oh God, I forget what it's called. The the precursor to ECW uh, or Tri States Wrestling. Oh yeah, Tri City. Uh, Joel, yeah, uh, Joel Gerhardt, I believe, was his name. Um, and then I think about like his uh, short run where like he was having the shoot matches with the UWF UWFI guys in the mid nineties, and then when he was kind of tagging with uh, uh, did he used to tag with Nagata? Was that the guy? I'm trying to remember. Like in the late nineties, he kind of after that whole after the whole thing blew up between um. When uh, I've gone through too much history lessons, um, <laughs> when Hashimoto got beat up by Ogawa, he was one of the guys that like fought for New Japan to, to break up that fight, and it kind of actually 
gave him like Inoki liked that and gave him a push, and he ended up getting like good tag matches. I think it was with Nagata. I could be wrong though. Didn't he team with Tenzon at one point? Was that after that? They did that, but that was like when that was like toward when he started getting uglier. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you think about he he was like a a, a technical whiz, you know, this young, good looking technical guy, and then eventually like got uglier and uglier and kind of lost his mind and went crazy and not not for real, but that was the gimmick and um, kind of became like one of the most dastardly heels. Like, yeah, my dad as a heel wrestler might be modeled after him. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then he says, not really a question, but just to say the new Scott Orton interview, Scott Norton interview with Christian Orton is great. Any thoughts slash reactions on this podcast episode? The stories you talked about with NWO are awesome. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it. What do you think? Yes, I listened to it today. I thought it was great. Um, Scott told some great stories, um, just being in Japan, just kind of the. You know, some of the differences there and like yeah, the NWO. So we talked about how, you know, how huge NWO was in Japan and how they would get off. It was like there was a time period when like before NWO, like he would get a lot of interviews and stuff like that. And then like I guess like the popularity kinda like died down a little bit. And then he was in the NWO and when he would come over for the NWO, like they'd get off the plane, get off the airport and all these reporters would be there like trying to interview them and stuff like that, and just talking about how big NWO was and just like all the stories like that. So yeah, if you haven't checked it out yet, it's a really good listen. Yeah, when you talk about marketable um, brands, there might not be any um, angle that's ever been run in the history of wrestling that produced something as marketable as like the NWO. Because I mean, it was such a huge thing in the states, but it was such a huge thing in Japan too. Like it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Reddit user PCN91. What was your favorite cameo in My Dad Is a Heel Wrestler? I marked out to Shingo just pumping some weights and grunting in the gym. Okay, when was Shingo in this movie? Did you see Shingo? That's what I was going to say. Like, maybe I missed him. I think they're confusing Shingo for um, Kitamura. I think so, too, because I was like, I haven't rewatched it, but I was like, I think they're talking about Kitamura or Oka. Because or, I was like, I did not see Shingo in this production whatsoever. And this was 20, or maybe I just missed it. This is 2018. It's before Shingo came in, right? Yeah, but, you know, we, we discussed this um you know, when we talked about the movie, I don't know, like, for sure if it was just strictly all New Japan guys, but it seemed like that. Yeah. So, I mean, my favorite cameo by far, I mean, well, I guess mine was obviously when, um, with with LIJ, with Naito and Hiromu, when they, uh, you know, were in the, uh, in the restaurant, and he says, Tranquilo. Yeah, that was good, but I, I, did, I did pop for seeing Kitamura, just because, you know, at the time, like... Yeah, Kitamura was so huge, he's supposed to be the next big guy, and he's you know doing his little his series of matches kind of thing, and yeah. I like that he was walking around with his uh, mouthpiece and with the fangs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and but you- uh, yeah, I, th- and maybe that's why I, maybe that's why I was thinking maybe they thought it was uh, Shing- um, Shingo. But maybe we're just idiots and we miss Shingo. Maybe he was there all along and we didn't see him. Yeah, I, I must have missed him. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about the movie, movie here in a bit. Uh, um, next question from a great, uh, great, great name, Chase Owens, Mark. Love that name. <laughs> is this your burner? He says, uh, <laughs> it's not my burner. <laughs> he said, if you could have any wrestler of the New Japan, um, if you could have any wrestler of the New Japan, would you want a theme? Sh- oh, okay. If you could have any wrestler in New Japan who... You could give your own themed show for similar to how GCW and other indies have wrestlers themed shows. 
who would it be and what matches would you uh, like on that show and why? Um, so I didn't, I didn't pre-book a, a themed show <laughs> necessarily, but um, can you think of a, of a cool show you'd like for any of the wrestlers? So, you know, my man's Kojima. So I would do some kind of like Kojima's like strongest arm and it would just be a, <laughs> it'd be a match of like all like cost <laughs> matches where dudes are like trying to prove like who has the best lariat. You know, you put Ishii, Goto, Shingo, all these like never guys on there. And it's just, you know, like Big E says, two two big beefy guys slapping meat. <laughs> <laughs> and you just have these dudes killing each other trying to see who has the strongest arm. God, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, who could have a really, like, cool show? I feel like if they wanted to, like, branch off into, like, uh, comedy, like, and just go full shtick, they could give Taguchi a show. Yeah, I could see it. A lot of these GCW and indie shows are kind of, like, comedy-based or shtick-based. So, yeah, I could see, like, a Taguchi's, like, I don't know, the coach's, like, play field or whatever, the coach's field or whatever. <laughs> I mean, like, this sounds like cheating almost because he's on every blood sport show, and that's kind of what I would love to have. Plus, he already does um, he does a, sh- a show every year for – I forget which independent company it is, but he does one already that's kind of like this. But I would love for Minoru Suzuki to have his own, like, shoot-style show. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. And that would be, like, like I don't know, maybe, like, you know, because he founded Pancrase, he's like one of the like greatest like you know Japanese MMA practitioners of all time, and I would just love for him to like be able to like bring in. Uh, I think the concept would be this: it'd be like New Japan versus the world, and mm. it would be like, and it it would be like uh, Minoru Suzuki bringing in all his like friends or or colleagues from outside of Japan and bringing them in to like have shoot wrestling matches with like people in, in Japan, you know, so. Yeah. Or in New Japan, I don't know. You could also do, remember uh, NWO had their their sold out shows. You can do like a Bullet Club sold out. Have a well, they've done they've done um they've done shows like that for uh, Suzuki Goon before. Yeah, they they've done theme shows for Suzuki Goon. They've done theme shows for Makabe. They've done theme shows for just uh, Taka and Taichi. Yeah, Taka Taichi Mania. They've done produce shows for a lot of those guys before, so it's not completely unheard of. And then, you know, during the Dark Ages, they used to do weird, like, produce shows. Like, Chono had his own. Muto had his own. Like, yeah. So, I mean, they've kind of done stuff like this before. Yeah. Next question from Reddit user JTom416. Who in NJPW will look the most refreshed slash improved once wrestling starts again? Hopefully Naito. <laughs> Yeah, I know he he was uh, pretty banged <laughs> up there uh, before the break. So yeah, it'd be great if he kind of came back uh, a little bit fresh. Dude, I think Tanahashi. Like, I think this break is great for Tanahashi, and I I think this could lead to Tanahashi having like a really great G one this year. No, I see. The secret is that he never stops, and now that they're forcing him to stop, it's going to cause everything to fall off. Mm. Yeah, the Ace don't sleep. <laughs> uh, I think the the LA Dojo maybe I don't maybe the New Japan Dojo guys too, but you know we, when we talked to Carl Fredericks, I mean those guys are still working out at the dojo and getting their getting their workouts in. Like those guys are just you know getting jacked and watching tape and training. Like I feel like those guys are going to be like really ready to go 
one bro me me too i've been in here i've been clanging and banging <laughs> actually that's not true i'm using these rubber bands so i'm just expanding and elongating it's pretty great <laughs> i like i like already ripped one of them so those things are bullshit <laughs> uh ishii's the guy that's, that's been uh pretty banged up and worked working through injuries so it's probably pretty good for him too there's a lot of guys, but my my first answer is this is pretty serious. Actually, I I mean it. I hope it actually is Naito. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question here from Reddit user just a little bear zero one. Do you think, given the extra unplanned time off, some of the more older beaten up talents may decide to just not come back in the ring? I'm mostly thinking Jado, who could still manage and tends on. I mean, Jado's barely in the ring, anyways. So I mean, who knows? I think with him, like they're not gonna, they might eventually do a, a if they do a Jado send off, then it's gonna be a Gato send off too. I I can't imagine that they ever do one for just one or the other guy at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think anyone's gonna do that. Honestly, I mean, but then again, you never know. Like you know, one day Kitamura is a top you know top prospect, next day like he's just inexplicably gone. Stuff like that happens, so <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know. But uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I expect yeah Tenzan, Kojima, Nagata, all those you know New Japan dads still kind of work the opening matches and maybe work some uh, maybe never title matches or kind of s- smaller programs with Young Lions um, and then until they kind of have their send off shows. Wrestlers still gotta eat, still gotta pay <laughs> bills. Like, can get that food on the table. Uh, next question from Reddit user Highest Fly Flow. Question for Josh. I was watching Liger vs. Black Tiger 1 from some DVD I found online. The match, I think, is from 1989 because of Liger's attire and was a wrestling match of a boxing match-like rules. Ten rounds, three minutes each. Any clue WTF this was? It was a good match, but the structure was confusing. Also, Black Tiger 1 was so extra. I love him. Yeah, uh, so I actually am very familiar with this match, so um, I love Black Tiger 1. Black Tiger 1 is also known as um, British uh, British wrestling star, Rollerball, uh, Mark Rollerball Rocco. I always have trouble saying his name. It's weird. Too many but, R's. Uh, yeah, too many, too, too many R's. But uh, Rollerball, no, it's it's the all, it's the all like Rollerball, but I, I want to say, but then I want to say Rocco, so I say Rollerball, like I, I say, <laughs> uh, no, Rollerball Rocco is one of my all-time favorite uh, world of sport um, joint promotions, British style wrestlers. And he is the original uh, Tiger Mask. So the deal here was that like they hadn't fully acknowledged that it's Mark Rocco necessarily, but everyone kind of (laughs) knows like in Japan, like, uh, you know, identities are not as closely guarded as they are in say Mexico. And so with him being, you know, from Europe, wrestling the European style. He had a European style match with Liger in 1989. I think this is for the junior title, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, it was ten rounds. It was three minutes each. They were not strict European rules because there's a lot of um, things that they did back then during like the World of Sport days that that we don't do now. But it was something akin to the World of Sport style that you would see over in Britain which was kind of the idea here. It's not a great match, to be honest with you. Uh, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it, but they had a better match in 1987 when um, Liger was still wrestling under um, his name, uh, Kiji Yamada. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Um, if you've ever, if you, if, if you are going to watch a match between Mark Rock or, you know, black, black tiger and, um, Liger, check out the 87 Yamada match. It's much, much better. Nice. So next question from Reddit user Viking pain, not a new Japan question, but what are your guys' opinion on cinematic pro wrestling matches like Matt Hardy's final deletion or the recent Boneyard and Firefly Funhouse matches at WrestleMania 36. A few of my friends and I rewatched WrestleMania 36, and while I thought the matches were fun, they absolutely hated the two matches, citing how goofy they were. Uh, yeah. Also, um, the next question kind of fits in with this, too, so I, I guess we'll just touch on it. Sir Sam said, could New Japan ever do a Super Cinemax-style match like the Boneyard match? Would they be able to make it fit with the rest of the company? And if so, who would you want to see in it? All right, so um, starting with the first part with Viking Pain, um, I really loved Final Deletion. The, the the first one was the best, and on the Hardy Compound, you it, there there was a ring there. There was a referee. It was explained like you know TNA cameras were sent there. TNA official was sent there. It was still kind of set up like a match. Obviously, they were doing goofy, you know, Matt Hardy shooting off fireworks. Um, and then eventually, they kind of brawl to the lake of reincarnation, and Jeff Hardy becomes Willow again, and they're doing all this stuff, and then he falls off the cross and all that stuff. But I don't know. I really enjoyed the final deletion, and I thought it was kind of, you know, great stuff for what was kind of going on, really different stuff going on. Now, the Boneyard match in the Firefly Funhouse, um, the Boneyard match I liked better than the Firefly Funhouse match, and, um, yeah, to me, both of them were just kind of kind of goofy fun. Like, I didn't treat them like serious matches. I know there are people out there slapping out their star ratings on Grapple. I did not rate either of these matches. They were just ridiculous kind of goofy stuff that we just kind of threw out there in the situation that they had to deal with. I mean, uh, you know, so... Some of you would be surprised, but like, you know, I think a lot of times I come off as being super gatekeepery and like, you know, this uh, purist, which to some extent I am. But when it came to this stuff, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just freaking loved it. Like, I, I can't help it. Like, I know that it's not like it's hard to take seriously, <laughs> like a lot of this stuff. And I'm, I'm with you, Jeremy. I, I really liked everything Jeremy Borash did with the Broken Universe back then. I liked the... uh the promo videos leading up to the first final deletion. I loved the actual final deletion. I loved all the things that they did week to week with Matt Hardy and brother Nero and, you know, just the vignettes that they would cut. And then they did the, um, I don't remember the names of the other two. I know one was like the ultimate deletion or something. Something like, cause they did one where like they came back. It was the whole episode. They came back together and it was like the Hardys against um, Abyss and Crazy Steve. It was like a tag match. Right. Ultimate deletion. And that was like darker. It was like more horror film almost. Right. And I love that stuff. And, you know, it was kind of like a law of diminishing returns. It, it didn't uh, work out for them as well each time going forward. But they kind of like built upon what they did and I liked it. And um, the whole time I was watching both of those matches you just mentioned uh, during WrestleMania, I just... Obviously, like, there's a lot of influence from the Final Deletion stuff on this. I, I'm fine with it. You know, I think that there are some companies it works for, some it doesn't. In this case, you know, if you want my honest opinion, you compare it to what you get on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown on most weeks, and 
this is more fun and entertaining than most of the matches that they have in WWE on any given pay-per-view. So I was fine with it. You know, I mean, like it's hard for me to take that company serious in any respect at all anyways. (laughs) So if they want to do some avant-garde like wrestling and protect the undertaker or like try to restore, uh, Bray Wyatt, um, I'm all, I'm all for it. Like, trust me, there's no, there's no chance that the match between Bray Wyatt and John Cena, an actual in-ring product match or an actual in-ring product match at WrestleMania between Taker and AJ in 2020 was going to be better than either of those two things that they did. It just wasn't. It doesn't matter if it was an empty arena or if they did it in a sold-out Raymond James Stadium. This was the best-case scenario. (laughs) 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 Like, seriously. So I'm fine with it. Uh, I think that it's not something that they should go to the well with, with, like, too many times. You know what I mean? Right. But for two characters that... In kayfabe, it works for like the dead man, like the fiend. Why not? You know what I mean? Um, you know, but I don't think like Drew Gulak should be doing that, or you know what I mean? Like, right? Like, who knows? Like wrestling, wrestling like needs to definitely change and needs to evolve, and there needs to be advances, and there hasn't been too many advances in in the past twenty years, and who who knows? Like, you know, the idea of cinematic wrestling isn't in my opinion, the worst thing out there. Like I know that there's a lot of problems with Lucha Underground, but I loved Lucha Underground. But yeah, I think Lucha Underground's a little bit different because you had a whole show where everything kind of fit within that universe. And then here with WWE, you kind of have regular matches that's supposed to be like in a real world. And then you're kind of jumping into this fantasy, you know, cinematic situation. Well, that's true, except for the fact that, like, most of the time, Vampiro and Matt uh, Stryker, like, weren't even clued into those backstage things, so they were just seeing a regular match and calling it, like, a regular match. Right. They might, they might like, leak a small portion of what might have been in that vignette, but they were, like, they were almost, like, clueless to the backstage stuff that we, as the viewer, were privy to. Right. Which was cool. And you're right, it was its own self-contained universe, but so is WWE. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be as outlandish as, say, the third season of, of Lucha Underground. But um, there might be, like, I don't know. I remember when TNA, like, in 2011-ish, they started kind of going to a more, like, gritty backstage, almost cinematic presentation for their just backstage stuff. It didn't last, but it was kind of cool. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, a little uh, bit, yeah that era. So, I mean, like it just can't be the same shit that like WWE always does or most North American companies do in general. Now I will say this, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? So, um, well, a couple things. One, I do know that there are people who will be turned off by this, but if you actually look like, I know like on, for instance, like wrestling observers, uh, Webpage. They did a poll for how many people liked the Firefly Funhouse. Like eighty-six percent of people were favorable to it. This is like the smarkiest of smark like people, yeah. <laughs> who would normally shit all over something like this, and they liked it. So I mean, that kind of tells you that there are people out there. There is a market for this, and not only that, but like the Fiend. What's the thing that's gotten him over? It's those backstage segments, those Firefly Funhouses. They're creatively incredible. It's the matches that suck and the bad booking that sucks. It's not the the backstage stuff. So, I mean, to some degree, this stuff does work. Um, but as far as like new Japan doing this, I don't think it fits them because they are presented like a sport. Correct. 
And that's the big difference. Now, that's not to say they've never done wacky or zany things. In fact, they've done a match like this before. They've done two of two of them. In fact, they've done the island death match. The first one was between um, Inoki and Saito in like '87, and then I think in '92, um, Tiger Jeet Singh and um, Hiroshi Hase also did an island death match. And both of them are like really long. Like one's like two hours. <laughs> 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 or like three hours and i'm not exaggerating like it's kind of it's really shitty but uh you know they they've done things like this in the past so like i i don't think new japan should go that way necessarily but who knows i mean everything changes i don't know yeah i mean if if they were to do it i mean evil's your guy the lord you know king of darkness world to me like he's just a goth dude like he's he's not actually supernatural Right, but I feel like he's the most, the closest thing they have right now to somebody that would be considered like somebody would have his own world or powers or whatever. See, that's my only thing. Like in the context of other places, I'm fine with it because it's like okay, it's it's goofy, it's zany, you know. It's but like in New Japan, no one is supernatural. Like right. everybody, like like evil's not actually super powered he just wears lights on his hands <laughs> we all know this like it's widely accepted like he's just a super goth the moment that they tell me the moment that they tell me that that evil's actually got powers i'm gonna be pissed because i'm like <laughs> why didn't you use those on okada when you were facing him for the iwgp title all those years ago like that makes no sense this company has jumped the shark. So, no, I hope I don't think this company should do that necessarily. Yeah, I, I don't want to see that in my New Japan. But uh, then again, like, you know, there are things I like in wrestling that I don't want to see here. I don't want to see light tubes here, but, like, I'll watch a Freedoms match every now and again. I don't want to see, you know, a, a wrestling match in a, like, little room with, like, a with no ring and no ropes. But, like, I'll watch a Gato move every now and again. Right, like, yeah, but, yeah, keep all that in its, in its place. Keep that in Gato move. Keep the boneyard and funhouse and dead. Same thing with the Joshis. You know, I watch a woman's match every now and again, but don't be ruining my new Japan by bringing women into it. You know what I'm saying? Oh my god! Oh man, you're gonna upset. Uh, this is a true sport. Gonna upset the Joshi fans. So I'm like, uh, 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 moving on. I'm just the low hanging fruit. <laughs> Next question from Reddit user Dom Homie One Hundred and One. It's a series of questions here. Would it be beneficial for NJPW to formal to formal some type of working arrangements with other companies like NOAA, AJPW, Dragon Gate to make the process of returning to shows the easy one? Uh, well, um, there might be some uh, benefit to them actually doing something like this if they want to try and keep the marketplace healthy. You know, you think about like when NOAA left um, uh, All Japan in like 2000, shortly after that there was a working relationship between all japan and new japan which seemed unfathomable at the time but it was done to kind of strengthen the health of the scene because it, it's not beneficial for a giant like that to go under um new japan's also worked in the past with other companies like ddt war uh michinoku pro <laughs> uwf uwfi uh, Noah, All Japan, like almost everybody actually at some point. I know right now they're not in that same place where they're doing that, but like these are different circumstances. So I'm not saying it will happen, but in some regard, it might make some sense to do that. Yeah, I'm all down for, you know, working relationships and get some 
fresh blood, some fresh talent, get some new matchups there. Um, I think it would be interesting. But keep in mind, I think they're, if they did it, it would benefit those companies more than New Japan. Right, yeah. Like, I don't think New Japan needs to do it. I don't think New Japan needs other companies to run shows once everything changes. I think those other companies might need the help of a giant like them. But then keep in mind, you know, there are major media conglomerates like, uh, like what's what's the one group? Cyber Te- Agent. Yeah, like Cyber Agent, like owns Noah and what uh, DDT. Yeah. So I mean that you know who knows. Uh, next part of his question: Thoughts on Sting's work in NJPW. What are some of his must-watch matches in the company? I'm not talking about fake Sting. I'm talking about the real Stinger. Well, um, this might surprise you, but Sting, Sting kind of sucked in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only really good match of Sting's career that I can remember in New Japan is from um, the WCW New Japan Super Show. I think it was January 4th, 1992. It's like one of the headline matches. It's him and Muto uh, or Muta against the Steiner brothers. And that, that match is like good. It's not great. I think at the time it got like four and a quarter, which is pretty good. But um, I don't think anything else Sting ever did in Japan like even comes close to that. He had a match with uh, Muta in, during the 91 um, Super Show with WCW. And that that's okay. He had a match uh, in the Tokyo Dome against Inoki in 1995, and it's literally one of the worst New Japan matches of all time. It's like really, really, really shitty. So if you want to watch some terrible New Japan, uh, you can watch that. <laughs> um, he had the match for the WCW Interna- International title in 93, like, 94 with Rick Rude, where that's the match where Rick Rude's career got ended, and that's not even that good of a match. Uh, there's a lot of Sting... Uh, work from 91 to 96 sting toward japan pretty frequently but none of the matches they weren't like horrible except for that inoki match but there's nothing really substantial just the one tag match everything else kind of does suck honestly yeah i haven't seen I was, any of it so yeah i'll take your word for it i'd say go out of your way to watch that one match maybe the muda match from the year before like just because they're on major shows but the rest of it i i wouldn't really <laughs> bother with it he then says, since you guys live in, oh, actually, skip, skip the question. He said, I already got Jeremy's response to this question, but never got Youngboy's response. He said, so my question is, would you rather have a shitty match for a great build up to it or a great match of a shitty build up to it? Well, we just had a really shitty match with a really great build to it in Edge and Orton, and I can tell you that I did not enjoy that. So I will take the great match with the shitty build. Yeah, and that was, that was my answer also. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what? Like Jeremy had a much more nuanced uh, opinion and take on it, and I agree. And I think you, it takes one to have the other in most cases. But like, let's be real. We just had a match that had a fantastic, uh, you know, build in Edge Orton. It was so good that people were talking about Hall of Fame credentials for both those guys again and everything. And then the match happens, and it's like, nah, chief. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll take the latter. Yeah, because like I said, that great match, that's what, you, that's what you end with, the great match. Like, yes, you went through a crappy build, but then you get to this great match, and it's awesome. It's like, all right. It was worth, you know, watching all those horrible segments to get to this awesome match. Uh, I mean, yeah, or you might even just be like, I thought this was going to suck, and I'm surprised at how great it actually is because the build was so shitty. Right. So, yeah. 
Then he says, since you guys live in Tampa area, have you guys ever visited Carol Baskin's big tiger rescue sanctuary? And do you think she had a hand in the death of her husband? Uh, I've never been to Big Cat Rescue. Have you ever been? I feel like I've been when I was a, a kid, maybe. <laughs> I don't remember for sure, but I have a feeling I might have like, on a field trip or something, but I have no memories of it if I did. It's one of those things that I know about. Um, I've never been. My girlfriend actually has been, and she did a private tour with a, uh, another. With Carol uh, Baskin? <laughs> no, yeah. Her, her, her tour is with Carol Baskin's. That's all. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Like her, her, she, she was dating someone else years ago, and they went to Big Cat Ras- Rescue, and they did a, uh, a backstage tour, like you know, with Carol Baskins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a private tour. That's crazy. Um, so she's met her, and let me just say this: if you're listening to this podcast, and you don't think Carol Baskins fed her husband to tigers then you should probably unsubscribe and turn off the podcast right now because there's something wrong with you. Everybody knows Carol Baskins <laughs> fed her husband to tigers. Oh, my, my favorite part of that show is the moment where um, Exotic Joe is talking about how someone tried to frame, like uh, sprayed cologne on his shoes to get the tigers to eat them. They try to get him killed. Yeah. And she's, she's laughing about it. She's like, if you want to get someone to get eaten by tigers, you'd have to like pour sardine oil on them or something. And I just sat there. I'm like, did she literally just say that? Right. Like, mm. <laughs> how you know that, Carol? <laughs> oh, my uh, God. You know, um, inv- Investigation Discovery is actually coming out with a follow-up show that literally is focusing entirely on the invest- like the missing person's case of her ex-husband. And, like, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office here has reopened the case. Yeah. They're, like, in- they're investigating it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. Crazy situation there. Uh, His next question, he says, how do you guys think a movie-style match would look like in NJPW? We kind of answered that already. I think I think it would look like Dragon George versus um, Cockroach, Cockroach Mask, Mask. Yes. Which is pretty great. <laughs> yes. Um, his last question, thoughts on the promotion WAR? Can a young boy give some background information on the promotion? So wrestling and Holy romance. Holy shit. This is so much history, dude. <laughs> Okay, so in um, in 1990, uh, Jenna, I always forget how to say his first name, but Tenryu left all Japan. He was like the number two guy behind Baba, and he was getting passed up by, you know, Kawada, Mizawa, and Babashi, and all that. So um, he leaves all Japan to form Super World of Sport. He gets a money mark behind him. He gets all the other companies to have people leave too. They form a, a partnership with WWF and they start running Tokyo Dome shows and they think it's going to be real successful. But by 1991, it is bankrupt, which I think a lot of people thought was going to happen to AEW, <laughs> but it didn't happen. So um, Tenryu kind of like kicks off his, uh, you know, basically like just dusts himself off continues on and he's he forms a new company uh originally called wrestle and romance it was later renamed i think something like wrestle association r but basically it was like the first really major indie league that wasn't like shoot style in japan like there had been you know prior to that like the the two big names in in wrestling were like First it was JWA, and then when that ended, it was like 
you know, all Japan and new Japan. And there wasn't really like a third player in town until the early nineties. And that's where war came in and war was a really great company. They ran from like 92 to like early 2000 when Noah formed because, um, Tenryu had to fold it up so that he could basically take most of the guys from war and bring them over back to all Japan. So all Japan didn't die. But um, it was a really cool promotion because they didn't have anyone contracted in the early days. They pretty much were just bringing in freelancers and guys from outside, uh, from like all over the country. That's like where like Ultimo Dragon and like Chris Jericho, Jericho and Rey Mysterio and Huita Guerrero. A lot of those guys first started in war, and it was a cool promotion because like on the same show it was very varied. They would have, uh, like they'd have like your traditional pro like you know, strike battles match. They'd have a shoot style match. They'd have a, a, um, like a Lucha Rezu match. They would have like an old man match. Like they would just, they had a lot of different styles of wrestling in war all throughout. For some reason, it always kind of got, um, classified as a shoot style promotion, but it really, it really wasn't to be honest with you. I don't know why people said that, but, um, yeah, I mean, war was cool. They even hosted, I think in 95, they hosted the second, um, What's it called? Um, not super. Was it Super Juniors? Well, best best Super Juniors or no? Uh, super J Cup. Super. That's what it was Super. They they held the ninety five Super J Cup uh, in War, and that's the one with the famous match between. Um, I believe that one is the one with Dragon and Jericho. That's real famous. Plus, they had a a, a special singles match between Psychosis and um, Rey Mysterio on that show. So like. Yeah, I mean, war War was great. Like, I really like War a lot. Uh, that pretty much covers it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard, like, stories from Jericho Mysterio about War and kind of how it was the promotion back then. So, yeah, it seemed like it was a pretty cool promotion back in the day. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, the major indie, like, before Michinoku Pro and before, like, Toriumon and all that stuff. Next question here from Twitter follower at Oscar Rooney. Does who played a better father, Tana and my dad's heel wrestler, or Vader from Boy Meets World? Oh man, what a tough question! Dude, did you that, watch Boy Meets World? I did. Yes, I love those episodes when Vader was on. Yeah, I did too. Uh, I also, well, not all of them because I liked the ones earlier when he was in WCW. Once, once he went to WWF and they did the episodes with him and Jake Snake, I didn't like that as much. <laughs> I don't really remember the, the difference. Oh, I remember. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, here's the thing. Vader was probably a better dad than Tanahashi. Like, Tanahashi didn't smarten his kid up to the business. And on Boy Meets World, Frankie seemed to know what the deal was. Like, yeah. he was pretty smartened up to He was on the up the and up, yeah. Yeah, he was on the up and up. And uh, yeah, so. And I feel like Vader was more involved in Frankie's life than Tana was in Shota's. Yeah, he was a stern father. He would crack some skulls, you know. Frankie got out of line. You know, and uh, my dad's a heel wrestler. Shota's just running wild. Like, he's all over the city. No Snuck into the car. <laughs> yeah, no supervision. Like, it's it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love Tanahashi as a wrestler, but in this movie, he was a terrible father. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, last question here from front of the show, Dan Coffin. Best cinematic match of the year. The Boneyard match, Firefly Funhouse match, or Cockroach match for Dragon George. And he also asked, who was your favorite cameo in my dad's a heel wrestler? Well, we talked about the cameo, but it's very, you know, I get, I, ah, this is a tough question. I liked all three of these. Uh, for me, it's hands down cockroach match and dragon George. 
I guess I'll say Cockroach Mask and Dragon George, but like, man, I really like the Boneyard match. You know, <laughs> old ass Undertaker talking <laughs> shit to AJ, tell him he fought a good fight and shit. Like, it's, it's really good. Oh my gosh. I love I love everyone on Twitter talking about the nuance of um, <laughs> the Firefly Funhouse match, and I'm like, it's not nuanced at all. It's very straightforward. Everything about it. The only thing that's nuanced about it is the fact that we're all in on the joke, but John Cena's not. Right. Yeah. Like he's the one who's not in on it. We as the audience are. That was kind of smart, but uh, I, I liked all three. Nice. Well. If, if, we're, if we're being technical, Cockroach Mask Dragon George came out in 2018, so that's not even this year. Mm. Mm, that's that's true. So if, if, if it's just between the Boneyard match and the, the Fun House, I'm going with the Boneyard. You like the Boneyard because the physicality. Yes. I'll, I'll, t- I'll take the Fun House match because it was David Lynchian. Mm. Cena's in the Black Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that wraps up the questions. Now we're going to uh, get Rich Latta on and do our review of My Dad is a Heel Wrestler. Spoiler alert. If you guys have not watched uh, My Dad is a Heel Wrestler, this is not just a review, but like it's there's heavy spoilers in this. So, you know, just be aware. (laughs) Yeah, well, this is a pretty in-depth review. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, go watch it and then come back to this section of the show going to get rich on to review that and then we're going to do the recommended match of the week and end the show all right at this time we are joined by rich latta from one nation radio rich how you doing man i am well gentlemen glad to be back on keeping it strong style working the territory over here <laughs> and coming in with, with with a good payoff and you know See, uh, he comes in. He comes in with a lot of mouth service, talking about how he's glad to be here, like he's dusty in mid south or something. But he's been big leaguing us. We keep trying to get this man on the show and every week. He's like, "Oh no, I ain't got time for that." Yeah, no. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, man. I, I mean, once once we figured out that my dad is a heel wrestler was coming out, <laughs> I was like, "This is an A plus occasion." <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. So, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Like we've been talking for like two years trying to watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. We this is like a long time coming. Yeah, been like two year build, um, long you know chase, and it finally <laughs> dropped uh, Saturday. And long term, long term storytelling. It. Yep. <laughs> I freaking loved it. Yeah, it's awesome. So before we get into that, so how how you been doing during the, the quarantine, man? I have been working from home, so I've been at home for longer than the official quarantine has been going on. So I want to say maybe like three, four weeks coming now. Um, I'm finding ways to stay busy, watching lots of uh, old wrestling that I have never seen before, um, like that Kenzo Kobashi stuff that you guys mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, I've been watching a lot of Monami Toyota, Aja Kong. I've uh, been making beats in the meantime. Oh, I'm always going to find something to do, but I am ready to like drive around and start going to shows again. But apparently that is not happening anytime <laughs> soon. So I, I'm quite pissed that WrestleMania week essentially got blown like right when it comes to Tampa. But God. yeah, what are the odds? Right, dude. We've been literally planning for this week since like November. As stuff got started getting announced, and it's like, man, 
just really, I was really bummed out this week, man. It's like, dude, yeah. we, sh- we should have been, you know, doing media at um, GCW, Tampa GCW. We should have been at For the Culture, at TakeOver, mm-hmm. Lions Break. Mellow. Yeah, Spring Break. Bro, we had, like, literally legit at least at minimum three of our own events, like, planned. Like, we were going to be doing media. We had a strong style brunch planned. We were going to do freaking Suplex Mania uh, 2, and none of that happened. Nope. <laughs> I feel, it was imaginary. You know, what, you know what I feel like? I feel like uh, Steve Austin when he's cutting that ECW promo. And none of that shit ever happened. We're going to give you the U.S. title. You're going to work with Sting, and then none of that ever happened. Oh, man. But, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Mother Nature told us, uh, that's not for you, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm ready to get back out and go out to some shows, man. Go to the, go to the Orpheum. Go to uh, yep. Minerig Hall. <laughs> yep. Dude, I'm ready for us to just like all chill and have a drink together. Like, what Hell the yeah. heck? Yeah, <laughs> like, we're gonna have that virtual parties eventually. Like, God. <laughs> yeah, we had the uh, virtual party for uh, we're recording this on Sunday. This segment, and so yeah, we had the virtual watch party last night for night one of WrestleMania. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> One word, glorious. So I watch, you guys the watch party, this. not WrestleMania. Glorious. Yeah, whenever, I didn't see Bobby Roode on the thread. Yeah, <laughs> on the screen. That man was sidelined. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, like, no offense, but there's people on the group chat. I didn't even know who they were. Like, they had their like mic muted, and I was just like, what, what's going on? Who who are you? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this thing had a limit, so there was like maybe like 10 or 11 of us in here. And, yeah, I think the limit uh, was 10, but then, yeah, a bunch of people were trying to get in. I'm like, sorry, man. Yeah, late, man. <laughs> first come, first serve. I'm telling you. But, yeah, uh, I'm glad I I'm glad I got in. I, I felt like y'all was gonna leave without me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh man. But I gotta tell you guys, like beyond a shadow of a doubt, like yes, yesterday was WrestleMania and yes, tonight there's gonna be another show, but the highlight of my day by far was watching my dad as a heel wrestler. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, that movie was awesome. And so that's what we're gonna talk about right now. We're gonna review my dad is a heel wrestler. Yeah, this, like, and Josh and I kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday, but yeah, I was expecting this movie to be, you know, maybe kind of cheesy, maybe not all that great, and just kind of be whatever, but this thing was awesome. Yeah, man, it was just, um, I it was the best version of, I would say this is like a Disney movie, essentially, and it would be akin to showing someone hey this is how professional wrestling works without blowing the lid completely yeah yeah that was one of the things you mentioned to me rich so before i watched the movie uh we were talking a bit about you'd already watched it and you were just like you're like the greatest thing is that they never actually completely break kayfabe like it is never explained to anybody that this is a work in any way shape or form (laughs) yeah (laughs) I I thought it was um, amazing seeing, um, I forget his real name, but Cockroach Mask uh, and Dragon George and, you know, all those guys. Gokaburi Mask. Yeah, you know, in that alternate universe, uh, Lions Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Did you guys think that that was strange that it was Lions Pro Wrestling and everything looks identical to New Japan? Like, I I didn't understand the similarity there. Like, I don't know why. I, I'm not even making a joke. Like, my real question was, like, was New Japan involved in this or no? Like, was this a fictionalized version that was just, like, you know, like, copyright, like, copied? Or were they involved to some degree? Like, I don't even know, you know? 
I mean, it had to be. I mean, but they, they, like that Dragon George guy, he he kind of strangely uh, resembled Kazuko <laughs> Okada. I, and uh, you know, there was a guy that looked like Tanahashi in the movie. It was it was it was quite quite amazing. <laughs> well, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm sure there had to be some kind of New Japan involvement because obviously I mean, a good part of the roster was featured throughout the movie, and you know, red, they used red shoes and everything. And so I'm wondering, yeah. I guess maybe just to play along with the story and, and just to go for a fictional thing, because obviously, like this is not really New Japan, and obviously they're not using Tanahashi as a baby face. So maybe they figure, well, since Tanahashi is playing a heel, we're going to use this fictional world and just make things similar. It's um, all all inverted. Yes. <laughs> it- it, there was there's so much that I enjoyed about this. Like the uh, one thing I really enjoyed was just the actual wrestling that was portrayed in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've, we've seen a lot of wrestling films over the years. Some of the more like larger notable ones here in the states would be like probably like the wrestler with Mickey Rourke, Ray to Rumble with like David Arquette and stuff. And oftentimes, like the wrestling that's shown is very mundane or almost hokey and it's not like actually portraying it the way it actually happened even in the wrestler which was a serious film a lot of the wrestling was pretty shitty looking mm-hmm. but like in this film they didn't go over the top but they're doing actual real wrestling like what you would see in new japan which i was like that is so and obviously it's because they're using real wrestlers to do it but i was like that's really cool that like they're showing real wrestling you know what it felt like when I was watching the last match between Cockroach Mass and Dragon George? It felt strangely like I was watching kind of a stripped down movie version of the last time Tanahashi challenged Okada and Fukuoka. Like it felt like that match. Kind yeah. of. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it did. I mean, almost, yeah, the whole kind of story of like, you know, the upcoming young hot star. And, you know, the old veteran still trying to hold on to his top spot. It's, it definitely mirrors the story of Tanahashi and Okada. Yeah. And and the cool thing was, like, when the kids got involved and then the kind of interplay, like, when he has the crush on the young girl and she loves Dragon George, but he's, like, you know, afraid to basically tell, you know, the, the rest of the kids that his uh dad is cockroach mass so eventually you know he's lying and then his mom finds out all about it. it's just like they turn it back and forth uh you know so many times and i i just thought this was just like this was brilliant really and um i i i see my man uh tomohiro ishii was in the movie doing a job so some things were like reality uh <laughs> in, in, in here and i did not appreciate that but my dog tomohiro ishii is a movie star now so they will not try him like this <laughs> yeah I, I i almost turned the movie off at the beginning because my man kojima was out there doing the job in the opening the opening scene he made, it, he made it to the finals of the z1 he did yeah. but <laughs> the z1 yeah <laughs> So yeah, here's the thing: the Z one's different because it's a single elimination tournament, and Correct. the G one is round robin, so it's not the same at all. So it's like McDonald's and McDowell's. Like that's kind of <laughs> like the one I got. They have the movie. Big Mac. We have the Big Mick. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, the whole kind of premise of this movie. So we have Tanahashi's playing this guy uh, Takashi Umura, and at the beginning of the movie, we kind of see him in the finals of the Z one. He's hitting. Um, the the fly high, which was his version of the the high fly flow, and he's winning the Z one tournament in Lion Pro Wrestling, and then apparently he gets like a, a knee injury from that, and then we kind of fast forward ten years later, and since then he's become 
this heel wrestler named Cockroach Mask, and he's teaming up with um, Blue Bottle Mask, who's uh, played by um, Taguchi. Yeah, I I just want to say um, right off the bat, when it comes to these two guys, when you hear the idea of like a movie that's headlined by a wrestler who's an active wrestler with no prior rest, like movie acting experience, you just start to cringe. The thought of that is like, Oh God, this is going to be some hot, like steaming pile of shit or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you turn it on and it's like, okay, granted, granted, I don't speak Japanese, so I can't speak with any true authority to say for sure whether this was good or not. But I'll tell you, I watch a lot of foreign films, a lot of subtitled stuff, especially even from like Asian culture. I thought Tanahashi did, I wouldn't even just say a passable job. I would say he did a really good job. Like, yeah. a really good job. I was like, whoa, what the He heck? felt like a dad. He felt like a fighter. Like, it, just all these things in one. Yeah. Yes. I was actually pretty impressed with Taguchi's acting as well. I, I thought Taguchi was good. He was a little, like, kind of corny in some parts, but he was sort of a comedic relief character. That's the kind of character he plays in wrestling, so it kind of fit hand in hand, if that makes sense. Yeah, but he wasn't, like, the over-the-top Taguchi. No. Goofy, like... I mean, he had some funny parts, but I felt like he did, you know, he was pretty good, you know, and, uh, you know, being mad, you know, there's a part where, you know, Cockroach Mask decides to, you know, flip the script, go off book. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the one funny thing is like, you know, so there there's a scene later on where he's he's been a bad guy for all this time and his son is disappointed with him. So he decides he's going to try and reverse the clock and be a, a good guy wrestler again and, you know, do his old high flying style and all that. So he takes the mask off. And he was Probably. supposed to come out. He was supposed to come out as a bad guy, but he decided to turn into a good guy mid match. It kind of reminded me of when uh, when Mazawa unmasked as Tiger Mask. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the crowd goes nuts. Yes, because yeah, the, the, the crowd when they did that, the crowd was going nuts and like chanting his like regular name like Omora and like going yep. crazy. And um, the the whole time, like I just like when that happened, the the music was great. I was sitting there, and I was just like, this man decided to go against the script. He decided to change the script. Like, he, he, this is a shoot brother right here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's like part of the parts where they never really tell you it's a work or whatever. But then yeah. they cut to the booker, and the booker is outraged. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, the fake Gato or whoever the hell he was. But yeah, it was, um, he was like, Cockroach, yeah, well, Cockroach of course, I fired him. I had to. <laughs> he went into business for himself. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, like, Gucci's like, what, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, what about our tag team? <laughs> like, once you um, unmask, you can never put the mask back on again. <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously, part of this movie, you know, the title's right there. My dad is a heel wrestler. You know, one of the biggest parts of the movie is Tanahashi, but the other part is the actor who plays his son and the relationship between them once he discovers because he's they, here's the problem they didn't smarten that boy up okay ever. they didn't ever they didn't wise him up to the business or expose him so when he finds out that that his dad tanahashi is a heel wrestler he is heartbroken yeah because, you know, and, and all his friends are making fun of him uh because of it and uh they were like we never want to grow up to be like that kind of person like these kids are all in right but yeah but even before that so you know at the beginning we have the kind of like show and tell kind of thing where they're, they're, they're talking about their parents yes. and you know uh, oh yeah Ta- tanahashi's running late you know the flight from whatever event he was at was running late and 
you know, the show. He's, prob- he's probably in the States. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, New Beginning, the Lion Pro Wrestling New Beginning in USA tour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, his son showed us, you know, talking about how his dad's always drinking protein and talking about how awesome his dad is. And yeah, the kids were like, yeah, what does your dad do? And he's like, I don't know. And like, oh, go find out. And so, yeah, they, he tries to, <laughs> tries to ask what his he, dad is. He thinks, he thinks his dad's in the mafia. Like the other kids. Right. Like, yes. 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 He's in a shady business. Yes. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so then he tries to ask his dad. And, of course, you know, Tanahashi is the one exposed the business. He's like, I'll tell you when you're older. Not <laughs> yeah. only that, he doesn't want to disappoint his son to let him know that I'm a scumbag. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, shout, out, shout out, smarts this man, sneaks in the car, follows him to, you know, I'm guessing Cork and Hall or whatever <laughs> arena that was. And it's backstage or whatever. And um, sits in the crowd, the girl he likes and her dad's there and sits with them. And then. He sees, you know, Cockroach Mash doing the, the, the cockroach pose that his dad always does. And he's like, oh, no, <laughs> you feel his heart just dropping. What, like, what's that? What's that one small arena? Shijuku face. Yeah, that, that's where they're at. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's one thing I want to say that was troubling about this. These children, where was their uh, parents like half the movie? These kids were literally unfettered and allowed to just roam entire the city. <laughs> yeah. like, cities with no adults. And these kids were like eight, nine years old. These were not like even preteens. These were legit children. I was, I was a little bothered by that. <laughs> yeah, only only Shota's, uh, the girl he liked, he was, that was the only dad we really saw. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, like, and none of the parents were even like checking in with that father. You know what I'm saying? This is completely unrealistic. Like, this dude's just got like seven kids at the wrestling show with hanging him out just hanging out no, yeah. no parents are checking in like this doesn't seem right yeah <laughs> you know the funny funny thing was was some of the wrestlers that they used they had like kitamura out there lifting yes. weights looking huge yes. so they were going for full-on wrestler like they had could, oka. Yeah, yeah oka was out there yeah makabe was scaring the kids and kawato was there that was something I loved was just the use of the New Japan roster. Uh, did you notice that they um, they even used uh, Kushida? Yeah, yeah, and very so, briefly. Yeah, and that was kind of one of the you know kind of bigger parts there in the movie because you know they're getting ready for the annual Z One Climax tournament and uh, Tanahashi's character is not in it, but I guess there's, there's some other guy Saito whatever that couldn't make it, and so the Booker's like, how about we put this young dude Kondo in there and it's, and it's Kushida. And then yeah. they, they go out there, and then Kondo gets hurt, and so that leaves a spot open for Cockroach Mask to enter Z One. So while while you're going for that, one of my favorite characters in the movie was Machiko. Yes, who was, who was yes. the Mark? Yes, who, who who would not expose the business to the kids, but would tell them the history of, of everything. Machiko and, was us. Yes, correct, <laughs> exactly. Like, I, it, let me just say, I I am not Machiko. Kid. I freaking hated Machiko. <laughs> oh, I loved her. Dude, she was awesome. She was cute. Thought, she was a Mark. Yeah, I thought Machiko was like. Like uh, me and Jeremy were talking yesterday, and Jeremy's like, "She's a smart mark," and I was like, "No, she's just a mark. She's no. not smart." <laughs> no, you, you see, she's she's writing for the newspaper, and she wanted to, you know, essentially, she was us. Uh, she wanted to get, you know, her own little wrestling blog popping, right. and use the newspaper to write about a lion pro wrestling. I did right. like how she, uh, you know, so the whole deal is she's trying to write for the for the Z one or whatever, and when they announced that like Cockroach Masks is going to be in it, she's like, "Oh." That's Omora. 
That's not cockroach mask. That's Amora. That's like us when we talk about these dudes that get sent to like WWE. They get treated like geeks. We're like, no, that's fucking Ricochet. You don't understand, right? <laughs> We're like that. That's that's Brody Lee. That's not Luke Harper. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah. Like, she knew like all the history on Amora and was like, oh yeah, I'm got to do a story on this guy. So you know, kind of like the smart Mark in the movie. Like she knows all the backstory and who he really is and stuff like that. If I was going to criticize something about the movie, though, um, in one aspect, so this movie is very uh, heavily anime and manga influenced. In fact, I think it's even based on one. So a lot of the like acting and stuff is supposed to be portraying that as opposed to like just a serious film, which which fit the theme, which was cool. But her kind of character is something you see in anime very often. So like as an actor, she portrayed that well, but it kind of came off a lot more over the top than the rest of the film like she almost was like a a, uh, a comedic relief as well so it was good it fit it fit the theme but she was the one thing that was hard for me to kind of take serious in the film if that makes sense i don't know i loved her yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I did and it was funny because she was like getting scoops through the child <laughs> yes um she she had a uh, drag she was a big dragon george fan she was like trading memorabilia because and I don't know. I think she was like a real part of like illuminating how special uh, Cockroach Mass actually was. Right. And, yeah. And, and so to kind of and, back in his previous persona. Right. And so to kind of what? back up a little bit. So, um, you know, he the kids, you know, he finds out his dad's a heel wrestler and he goes to school the next day. And the kids are asking, you know, what what is your dad? Did you find out what your dad does? And he says pro wrestler. And they're like, well, who is he? And he gets kind of forced into saying Dragon George because he's embarrassed. He, yeah. want... he didn't come out and say it right away. Like, he didn't say anything. And then the little girl who he liked, she was like, oh, my God, is it Dragon George? And all the kids start chanting. And then he's like, they're like yeah. and he doesn't say anything. And then so then it, they, he was actually, you know what? That little kid was a worker because he worked all those kids <laughs> into thinking that his yeah, dad. A young worker. He didn't even know it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so he yeah they think Dragon George is his dad. He goes along with it, and they ask for an autograph. So then that's when he goes into the shop and uh, where Machiko's at, and they're like watching the matches or whatever. And he steals the Dragon George autograph, and then she catches him, and then they make the exchange. She finds out his dad's cockroach mask, and they make the exchange of autographs, and then she he gives the Dragon George autograph to the girl he likes, and then everybody <laughs> thinks that Dragon George is his dad. Who yeah. uh who did you say that that little girl looked like, Rich? You said it was she a looked, Joshi wrestler. Well, yes, she has her haircut in a fashion where she looks like a ten or nine year old version of Arisa Hoshiki. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's and, true. And That's the little boy, true. And the little boy's name is Shota, kind of like Shota Minu, which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they uh they trade the autograph and um. Going on from there. Oh, yeah. During that scene, we had the Naito and Hiromu cameo. When they're yes. Running. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, far. Yeah. So um, when Shota is like, he goes, he's trying to uh, find a way to get the Dragon George like autograph. And he sees it hanging on a wall where all these wrestling fans are congregated. So he runs in and grabs it. And he's going to steal the shit. <laughs> he runs out. He runs out with it, and the girl Mochiko. She sees him. She chases after him, and then right at that moment, like Hiromu and uh, Naito are walking in in character. Like they're clear. They're in street clothes, but they're clearly like Naito and Hiromu. Yeah. And and when they almost knocked them over, like Naito's like he's like calm down. He's Tranquilo. like Tranquilo. 
<laughs> that was funny. I pop. Yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of great things like that that were just like very insidery for like diehard new, like fan service for New Japan fans that kind of like just uh, might not have gotten completely over with like regular audiences, but like served us who like are faithful watchers, which I loved that aspect of it too. Yeah, yeah. and then we started seeing action from the, the Z One tournament and a uh, cockroach mass faced off against uh, Joel Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Joel, Joel Hardy. <laughs> Uh, better known as uh, Trent Beretta. That was yeah. that was great. Yeah, I love that. And um, yeah, it was just funny because it was he kind of looked like one of the like young bucks, but kind of mixed with the Hardy Boys. And he just like fixed he fits this like weird archetype of like those two like tag teams yeah. mixed into <laughs> one guy. Yeah, <laughs> and and that match was actually a pretty a pretty good match. Also, yeah he 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 tried the um. He tried the old Brian Kendrick against Kota Ibushi. He tried to tie him up to the uh, the outside and get him counted out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so throughout the match, yeah, Cockroach Mask was cheating. And, you know, obviously Shota didn't understand why. And uh, Cockroach Mask ends up winning this match. He beats um, Joel Hardy and advances in Z1. Yeah, and then um, what was interesting after this was, like, the son, the whole movie, so he discovers his dad's, like, a heel wrestler, He's embarrassed about it. He gets roped into lying about who his dad actually is and everything like that. But he's internally struggling because he loves his dad. His dad is like the greatest guy he knows, but he's also a wrestler who does bad things. And he's a heel. He's a heel. (laughs) And he's embarrassed about it. You know what I mean? Like really, really embarrassed. And like he tries to talk to his dad after the match and he's upset and his dad's like you know i won i'm gonna be champion he's like i don't want you to be champion champion yeah <laughs> he's like you should think about maybe quitting wrestling i just want a regular dad and i was like <laughs> well, yeah, he, well, he was like if you can't be like dragon george and i then i just want you to be a normal dad <laughs> right and it's sad because the thing is is he doesn't know that his dad was like dragon george but right he laid, he laid it all out on the line and god had other plans for him <laughs> yeah and um, Machigo had a had another quote that kind of reminded me of that one. It was like, "It's not about winning or losing." Yes, like and then she she like snapped on somebody. I forgot what it was. Yo, she beat up the whole staff at her. Uh... <laughs> yes, <laughs> she put she put her the one homie who was like her her boy who was like the guy that was helping her the whole movie who was her friend. She put him in an arm bar out of nowhere. Yeah, Yo. she lost it. <laughs> she lost her shit because she had too much fighting spirit. Um, and then, you know, as, as Z1 is going on, cockroach matches advancing and advancing and we see some, uh, some doctor visits. Uh, and I felt like this is kind of like what Tanahashi's real doctor visits are like, like he's getting, <laughs> <laughs> he's getting the knee checked. <laughs> hey man, you know what I, you know what I thought of? What? Like I thought of karate kid, like when he was laying on the table, I thought, uh, the doctor was going to go like. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, had to, had to rub his knees. For those of you guys that don't know what I did, this is an audio medium. Uh, you know, the famous scene when Miss Miyagi started rubbing his hands together and, and just started doctoring Daniel. That, that's right. kind of what I felt like. It, it's funny that this scene left such impressions on all of us because we all had different impressions. My impression's a little different. When I watched the scene, it reminded me of any given Sunday when Lawrence Taylor is getting shot up with the. <laughs> <open scene. laughs> And he tells me, he's like, listen, you're still injured. It just takes the pain away. Yeah. And he's like, and like, like, Tanahashi's like, I know. 
<laughs> yes, I'm, I'm telling you, man. This is like Tanahashi's real life appointments every time. It's like, yes, Tana, you, you still hurt. Like, you should, you know, maybe stop this wrestling thing. And he's like, nah. Uh, <laughs> now, gotta here, keep going. Another thing I really loved, I want to touch on was um, earlier in the movie when Tanahashi was on his way to like go to his son's like little uh, show and tell thing and he was running late. He's like running past all these people and there's this little old lady who needs help. And he's trying. He he knows he needs to be where his son is, but he turns around and he he gives this like little old woman a piggyback ride because he's just mm-hmm. like the nicest guy in the world mm-hmm. outside of the ring. And I love that. And I was like, man, that's what Tanahashi <laughs> really is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know, kind of back to show the story. There's this little you know snot nosed kid in his class that's you know little uh, little popular kid, and he's mad that you know Shota's been getting all his attention. And he's like, yeah, I don't think, you know, his dad's dragging George. Like, we need to expose this man. No, hater. <laughs> uh, so yeah. he, he sends little girl Ringo to go to um, Shota's mom's, like, um, hairdresser shop, acting like she's going to get a haircut. And she's like, you know, what's it like, you know, living with Dragon George or whatever she said? And, and, and her mom, like, froze up. And she knew right then. She's like, oh, he's been working me. Yep. <laughs> I just want to say this. Those are some little badass kids, but they were all so cute that, like, I didn't really care. They're just all little, like, angel yep. babies. Like, they, they picked the right children. Like, that little kid Shota, he was a good, like, child actor. Good. Like, yeah. yeah, he was good. Every time he said something that was, like, hurtful to, like, Tanahashi, mm. like, it really got to me. I was like, this is a good movie because it's pretty emotional. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even, like, even, like, my girlfriend was watching it. She's like, you know what? This actually is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when, when he told you know Tanahashi, I hate you, man. I I, I felt oh. I felt that. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that was hurtful. Like I'm not a dad, but I just can't imagine like yo, like I fathered you, I brought you into this world, and then you t- they turn around and be like, I hate you, and you're like, ah, oh, mm. I've been fucking up all this time. <laughs> I, it sucks. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so then he gets kind of exposed there. Well, so he, so Ringo kind of knows and goes off and tells the the other kid that, you know, his mom kind of froze up on that question. Um, and then we get to the part where, you know, Tanahashi, he's really contemplating wanting to be a bay face. And so he goes to the doctor again, you know, asking, he's like, I'm here to check my knee. He's like, why? He's like, I want to do the fly high. (laughs) (laughs) Fly high. Keep in mind, this is the move that put him out of the the babyface game ten years ago. Yep. And, right. and also, like his wife, like they they had a really poignant moment where like the wife and him are talking, and she's like, "You know, you said you were going to be a heel for a couple years. Now it's been a decade." Yep. He's like, "It's only been nine years." And she's like, "Same thing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then we, we go to his next Z1 match where he's facing off against uh, Makabe's character. What was it, like Sweet Gorilla or something? Sweet Gorilla Murayama. Yeah. Murakama, something like that. Something like, yeah. And so, you know, they're having their, they're following the script. The match is going how it's supposed to go. Cockroach Master cheating. Well, actually, he's not cheating. He's Well, well before that, Bottle, bottle uh, Cap Mask had put his uh, special bug spray in the back of his aerosol spray in the back of his uh, pants. He's like, I put it where I always put it. And right before he walks out, he takes it out of his pants and he drops it on the gym floor and mm-hmm. walks out. And you're like, oh, <laughs> this man, this man not going to follow the script right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So they have the whole match. He's not cheating. And even the commentators are like, something's very odd with Cockroach Mask. He's not, he's not, you know, uh, cheating. He's not doing his dastardly uh, things he normally does. And then 
we get to the spot where like Blue Bottle Mask jumps in and he's holding uh, Sweet Gorilla and waiting for the double team, and uh, Cockroach Mask is not doing it, and the whole crowd is like, you know what's going on? Then he slowly pulls the mask off that Tiger Mask two moment, pulls the mask off, crowd pops, they're going crazy. Um, and they're and, and like the commentating team does such a good job. They're like, you know, all this time we thought uh, Amura was retired. He's secretly been cockroach mask the whole time for ten years. <laughs> for ten years. <laughs> oh man! It's so yeah, he's making this big comeback against Sweet Gorilla. Gets he hits the uh, the roach trap sling blade. Yes. <laughs> Then Which he, apparently, like earlier in the movie, they're like totally illegal, and then later in the movie, they're like totally legal. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, he goes up, he goes on the top rope, he's looking for the, the fly high, but he, he hesitates. He just waits a little bit too long, and uh, Sweet Gorilla was able to come back, hit that Spider German, hit the King Kong knee drop. One, two, three. Cockroach mask out of the tournament. Also, keep in mind at this moment when he unmasks. His son is in the audience and he's watching this. And when he sees him take off the mask, he goes, Daddy. And the little girl looks over and she's like, Oh, fuck. Nah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, You done lied to me. Yes. And they, they both rush off into like the uh, the corridor. And he's she's like, Why did you lie to me? Why? And he doesn't say anything. She's like, I hate you. Yep. yep. And then like she leaves. And like from that point, like he does he stops going to school school because he's embarrassed because everyone figures out that like that that that's actually his dad is cockroach mask and um when he tells his mom he was like you know and his dad gets fired obviously his dad gets fired he didn't follow the script he ruined his tag team he took his mask off he can't go back to being a bad guy now like he ruined the plans and so like he tells the the business so so like he tells his mom he's all sad and he was like you know i told dad i hated him and today, someone else told me they hated me, and that felt so bad. Is that how he's been feeling all this time? And I was like, mm. this movie. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, you know, Michiko, she was, you know, writing all these stories, and she's going to do this big cover story on Cockroach Mask, but the whole deal was he had to win the tournament, so the, her boss was like, yeah, I'm canceling the story, your cover page or whatever, and that's when she kind of flips out and puts Buddy in the arm bar and loses the story. This is basically the Jake Roberts uh, King of the Ring tournament run in 1996. <laughs> <at this point>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then uh, Dragon George ends up winning the Z1 tournament. He beats uh, Sweet Gorilla, and you know he has his uh, the post match press conference, and they're like, you know, you you've beaten everybody. You're a champion. You won a Z1 for the third year in a row. Like, there's nobody left for you to challenge. Like, who who would you want to face next? He's like, well, there is an old wrestler. He just revealed himself. He's like, I want to face uh, Takashi Omura only if he can be the Omura from ten years ago. Yep. I I don't want him to come in and be weak. Yep. And so and keep in mind, earlier in the movie, Cockroach Mask had wrestled uh, Dragon George and got his ass whooped. <laughs> Bad. Yeah. Bad. Ate that Dragon Maker. Yeah, yeah the Dragon Maker, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so yeah, Dragon George kind of calls him out, and then he gets the call. The promoter calls uh, Amora, and he's you know kind of cuts scenes there, but he eventually turns down the call, and he wants to be a normal dad, and he tells Shota, you know, hey, I'm going to be a normal dad now. And, uh, Yo, but it's it's sad the way he says it. He's like, I'm going to be a normal dad now. 
aren't you happy? Yeah. And he's like, oh, fuck. And you know. Uh, and also like there's a point earlier too where like he asks his mom he's like why can't he stop wrestling and she's like it's his passion and then she goes well maybe it's the only thing he can do yeah and i was like i was like man this is better than the wrestler this is real yes (laughs) Um, and then uh, michiko runs into him and you know he's like your dad's gonna face you know dragon george is awesome and he's like no he's not he said he's not gonna do it She's like, no, no, he didn't like, and like, yeah, they, <laughs> I believe you. She's, she's like, he has to. Yes, and then like she like gives him like her story that she was working on to give to uh, Tanahashi, and she's like, and then they go to this restaurant, and she's like, yeah, you know, he made a promise ten years ago, and I believe in him. He said he would come back and be stronger and continue to fight. I I know he's gonna hold on to that promise. Your dad is not a liar. <laughs> yeah, and like she takes him to uh. I don't know some restaurant that it looks like one of those like uh, pizza wrestler. Bar- well, it looks like one of those wrestler bars that you hear about in Japan because there's uh, Yano like, Yano's restaurant. <laughs> yeah, it looks like one of Yano's restaurants. There's just like wrestling memorabilia everywhere and like pictures of the wrestlers and they're playing wrestling and um, they're playing the Z1 match between uh, his father and uh, Kojima freak and Kojima. And when he watches his stack go to the top, he's like, wow, he actually was strong. Wasn't he? Cause he didn't know he wasn't around back then. So he didn't know that his dad was a G, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So then his dad finds the story that Michiko writes and, um, you know, decides, go ahead. I wasn't going to say anything, uh, but, uh, anything. No. but to be honest, his father didn't find it. Shota gave it to him. Right. Well, he set it up like in this room with like, a sign next down or whatever. Yeah. He uh. So he he turns his himself around. He's he decides I'm gonna go back to school. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this right because he realized he fucked up and ruined his dad's life. <laughs> <laughs> so he he sets it up so his dad's gonna find the article. But he goes to school. And he tells all the little kids, he's like, you know what? He cuts my the promo on all the kids. Yes, he cuts the yes. promo on the kids, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, because they, they written like Cockroach Kid on his desk. He erased it, jumped on the desk. He's like, yes, Cockroach Mask is my dad, and he's going to beat Dragon George for the belt. He's going to be the yep. champion. Y'all going to see. Yeah, they boo that. Like, my dad is not weak. He is strong. Y'all going to see. And they start. <laughs> They start throwing shit at him. But he's sitting there just, like, taking it, like... He's he's sitting there taking it because he's a heel. (laughs) He loves loves that they're jeering him. Yes. They're giving him all the heat in the world, and he loves it. (laughs) He's like, I thrive on your hate. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, we see, you know, uh, Tanahashi talks to the promoter, and, you know, they sign the contract, sign the big match for the, you know... Amora versus Dragon George, but then he goes to uh, his old partner. Keep in mind, it's 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 Amora versus Dragon George, not Cockroach Mask versus right. Dragon George. Yeah, but he goes to his old his old buddy, his old tag partner for last decade, uh, Blue Bottle Mask, and it's like, I'm gonna need your help for this match. So like, I can't be Amora. <laughs> um. So yeah, then we go I'm to old. yes, <laughs> and then they they go to the. I think it goes to the doctor, and the doctor's like, I think, wasn't that before? The doctor's like, you have, like, one last. You can only do yeah, it Yeah, so one. you can do one high fly. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That, that's, that's all you it. got. You got to use one. Um, and so, yeah, they go to the match, and, um, you know, Shelter goes there with all his friends. Like, well, his friends, like, they kind of forgive him, and they all go to the match together. 
and um, keep in mind it's it's his actual friends, not the badass kids that were like setting him up. Those are different kids, right? Like yeah. his, his his real homeboys, his real homies. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, he ended up sitting next to the girl that he likes, and they ended up watching the match together. And she forgives him. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so Tanahashi comes out, and we're all expecting him. He's supposed to come out as you know Omura, you know his old self, his big dream match. But he comes out as Cockroach Mask, and the, the commentator's but, like... But, but what's really great about it is he doesn't just come out as Cockroach Mask. The Omora music hits, and like, oh, it's that music we haven't heard in 10 years. Yep. And then right when he walks out, the whole thing changes, and they're like, wait, what is that? Cockroach Mask music. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, but he had the extensions, though, from Omora with the right. cockroach yeah. mask on, and then the commentator's like, it's super cockroach mask. Yeah. <laughs> man, man, up. <laughs> He's on a different level now. Uh, so, yeah, then they go and have a match, and like we talked about earlier, yeah, this was, like, great match. Yes. Easily. Yes. Excellent. Great, great matchup, you know, back and forth, coming back. You had um, Blue Bottle Mask. I thought he was going to win. Right. Hit the, <laughs> hit the roach spray on him. Yep. They hit, yeah, he's he's cheating and they're doing everything. Like it's really great. And then um at one point, like he goes up and they're like, Oh my god, he's gonna hit the fly high. Yes. And he fucking lands that shit. One, two, <laughs> two bro, and three quarters, kick, kick out, bro. bro when he did that, like I looked away from the screen <laughs> the screen, like, so did I. I'm like, here we go. Tanahashi gonna beat Okada. Bro, he can't beat Okada even in the movies. <laughs> I was so and then, hyped and he kicked out. I was like, ah, oh, he damn. kicked out, and I was like, I knew, I knew Okada had this shit. But then he came back again, and went back up. A, no, he yeah, he, he knocked Okada back down. And he goes up top, and, and Okada, Okada stands up, and I was like, oh, he's gonna hit yep. with a, a standing fly high. Yes, drop kick. Yes, Dra- Dragon George caught this man midair. Boom! Hit him with the Dragon Maker. One, two, three. Cockroach Mass fails to win the championship. He uses his last fly high. Dragon George continues to reign as the top star in Lion Pro Wrestling forever now, and ever. Now here's the really cool part: the match ends, everything, and then they do a flashback to Shota and his mom, and his mom's like. She she's the only person in the whole movie that like aside from uh the reporter chick who like really smartens him up and she's like today when you go watch him you need to boo him or jeer him she's like why he was like why would I boo him she's like because he's a bad guy that's how you cheer him and he was like oh, what <laughs> so then they like they go back to the end of the match and like. You know, cockroach mask is walking out, and he's like, "Fuck you, cockroach mask." <laughs> <laughs> well, no. First, what happened? Well, cockroach mask was walking out, but then like Amora, like the post match promo was like, you know, Yo. he did. You were strong yeah. today, and cockroach match was like, "Nah, you what? What are you saying?" Like went back in the ring and like, yeah, it was you know acting like a heel. And rushed the ring and said, "Fuck this!" Like, uh, <laughs> like don't let's don't try it, to call me old. Nothing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Fuck you. Yeah, he's like he, uh, through the security. Yeah, he's yeah. like, we're, "We're gonna fight again." And that's when Shota was like, "Boo, cockroach mask!" <laughs> and all, all the other little kids, all his friends, are like, oh, "What is he doing?" And then he was I'll like, "I'll tell you what he was doing. He was building another match." <laughs> <laughs> One of my one of the things I loved about the 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 entire movie was like how the little girl's dad was always with them, and he's always talking shit about cockroach mask the yeah. whole film. Bro, he, 
his dad's like the guy. It's like the the fan that's not smart enough. Like, well, actually, like this cockroach mask sucks. And <laughs> no, bro. Basically, like that girl's dad is my dad. My dad hates <laughs> heels and loves faces. Yes, and like. He was like, man, Cockroach Mask is a scumbag. <laughs> he's, he's nowhere near Dragon George's level. He's not yeah. on the level with these guys. He's weak. Yeah. <laughs> man, when they, when they told that kid his dad was weak, I felt so bad for him, man. Mm. Yeah, you, you wouldn't want to hear nothing like that. Yeah. But I, I maintain that like they did last year, every year, Lion Pro Wrestling needs to make an appearance in New Japan Pro Wrestling every single year. I'm still waiting for my Dragon George versus Okada match. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Maybe they can make um they can they can make a part two of this and then introduce some more people. Yeah, there is supposed to be a part two because the the manga is a two part manga from what I understand, and they were talking about how Tanahashi was gonna have to cut his hair again in the future. Mm. Keep in mind. Tanahashi, as dreamy as he is, man, his hair looked terrible. In that <laughs> yeah, 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 that was um, that that reminded me of like he didn't look so bad in the movie, right? But when he was coming back to wrestle in that process of getting it yeah. back long, yeah, boy, he was through it for a couple months. Yeah, yeah, looking um, rough. You know, so the end of the movie, basically everything happens. You know, his son's proud of him, and then his son goes to school, and they're supposed to be like showing they're supposed to showcase on the wall their dream, like what they want their dream to be. And so he, he draws a picture of his dad as a heel wrestler and then himself next to his dad in the same getup as also a heel wrestler. Cock- cockroach like, mass he, junior. He's like, he's like, I want to be El Hijo del cockroach. Mass. <laughs> uh, yeah. And his friends like, yeah, kind of, kind of like merge that scene with, with that. And like his friends ask him like, why'd you do that? And he's like, cause my dad, my dad is a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And I love how he was like, my dad's not a bad person, but he's a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely would love to see a part two. I enjoy the hell out of this movie. High recommendation from, I would say, all of us if you haven't watched this. Yeah. And then, you know, about an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And his friend. Like two hours. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was two hours. Yeah. Um, and his friends were like, yeah, we don't care if your dad's cockroach match. He was still pretty cool. Like, he was awesome in that match with Dragon George. And the girl forgave him. His friends forgave him. Thought it was cool that cockroach mask was his dad. And It's because he put on a five-star performance. It's hard to deny greatness. Right. They had no choice. Um, <laughs> you know, with, with this movie, like, there is a lot that I, I just really, really, really enjoyed with it. Like, oh, yeah, uh, your guy's girl. What was the girl's name again? Michiko. Mochiko at the end of the movie, like she was the one who was trying to get uh freaking cockroach mask over. She's crying in the crowd and she's like, Thank you, cockroach mask. <laughs> <laughs> she had she had the cockroach towel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was think, the only thing I I missed was people weren't uh asking um cockro- cockroach mask to wipe his sweat on it and then give it back to them. because mm, he's a heel. Yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't want to point out. We need, to, we need to give New Japan a break on the officiating because the officiating in Lion Pro Wrestling was horrible. <laughs> this man, Here's Cockroach the- Man, is out here low blow, spraying cockroach spray in the face, get, hitting dudes with weapons, and, and Red Shoes is like letting it go. The worst, the worst part was when Blue Bottle Mask got in and grabbed Sweet, uh, Sweet Bread Murayama, whatever his name was, and he's holding the dude. We grill and- 
Yeah, sweet and, gorilla. yeah, he's waiting for Sweet Gorilla to get nailed, and like the referee's just standing there, and I'm like, "Yo, are you gonna DQ these guys? <laughs> you just gonna wait till the transaction happens? Like, what the fuck?" Yeah, and like the one match with like um, Joel Hardy, where he's like taping them to the barricade. The one kid's like, "Is this even allowed?" <laughs> <laughs> Now, here's the thing, Jeremy, is like, I get what you're saying, you know, the officiating was bad, you're absolutely right, but here's the problem. The officials in Lions, uh, Lion Pro Wrestling are the same officials in New Japan. It was the same yeah. dudes. Mm, the IWGP, I, I guess, sent them to a different promotion. Right. <laughs> I, I guess the IWGP, like, is over Lion Pro Wrestling as well. Yeah, that, I, I that's like, the only I thing like I that's can... probably the case. That's the only thing I can surmise from this is, like, it's yeah. basically like NXT and WWE. There's the NXT title, and there's the Lions Pro title, and then there's right. the IWGB title and the WWE title. Right. right. And then, like, the Universal title is basically the same level as, like, the Never Belt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, yeah, overall, My Dad's a Heel Wrestler, great movie. Um, if you have not seen it, go check it out. It will be up on New Japan World until October, I believe. They have the rights for the English subtitles until then. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was one of the best movies of 2018. Personally. Like and that's not that's not some cap stuff. Like it was really really good. Like I really really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, okay, let's do this before we before we finish this. Favorite moment. Mm. Man. I I think I think when he hit that that last fly high and I thought he was going to win. Okay. I, I would probably say, man, it was it was really good overall. It, some combo of like when Machiko snapped off and said like wrestling is not about winning or losing, and then <clears throat> she snapped off, and then him unmasking. Those were oh, all yeah. great moments. My favorite moment was the first time that his son's at the wrestling match, and he sees his dad do the cockroach mask pose, and time stands still. And the lights are on the two of them, and they're both staring at each other from the ring and the and the audience. And he's like Shota, and he's like Daddy. And it was like <laughs> yeah. it was completely like an anime moment, and I was like, "Oh, this is good storytelling right here." Yeah, it, I, yeah. I, I I love the movie. I love it. Like, and I'm not just saying that. Like, I know it's a New Japan podcast, and like it's easy for us to be fanboys, something that we like. But like, as a film enthusiast, I really, really, really like the movie a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I would I would feel com- comfortable like if you are uh, trying to show this to the woman in your life, you're they would love it. If you're trying to show this to the man in your life, be like, hey, this is why I watch this thing. Like this is Dude, like a little piece of it. Anybody could watch this. That's the great thing about it. It, it. This is a film for children. It'd be easy for them to get it. For a wrestling fan, for a family, for adults, grandparents. Like literally, this is a, a movie for all ages. Yeah. Yep. Which is like kind of brilliant. Like, you know, before this, you would have had been like, if you had to be like, what's the best wrestling movie? You probably had to be like the wrestler, but that movie's kind of dark. Like, this movie's a lot happier than that shit. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it shows a lot of different perspectives of wrestling from a child's point of view, from inside the business, from like someone that's writing about the business, um, and just the reflection of reality that you see. That was, you know, that's a great point you make, Rich. I think that that was something that, like, I thought about a lot. Was like, I think a lot of this movie is completely from the viewpoint of a child, because it reminded me of like when I was eight or nine. I kind of got smartened up, and I kind of knew it wasn't real, but I still didn't fully know that it all wasn't real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
by even like, the refs. Like <laughs> it, it took time for me to like gradually grasp the full like reality of everything. And I think that that's kind of what this movie was like in a way, like, which is kind of smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious to see what like the part two of this story is. Like, Just great. Yeah. Great movie. Well, that's going to wrap up our review of my dad's. Well, what would you give it star rating five stars, you know, out of the five star Meltzer scale? What would you guys give it? I don't know what you mean by five star scale, but <laughs> you know we work on unlimited. You know the, the, esta- the established Dave Meltzer five star scale that exists and is a thing. <laughs> uh, I would probably say this is an easy like four and a half. That's what I Yeah, four and a half. That's exactly where I'd go. Four and a half easily. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our review of My Dad as a Heel Wrestler. Check that out on njpwworld.com. And now we're going to do the recommended match of the week. So it was Josh's turn last week, and he had us watching uh, Kanemoto versus El Samurai in the best of the Super Junior Finals. And so both Rich and I watch this match. We'll give our thoughts real quick, and then it'll be Rich's turn to uh, pick the recommended match of the week for us. Um, so yeah, I thought this was a great matchup here with Kanemoto and El Samurai. Um, you know, starting off with a lot of grappling, uh, Samurai's working over Kanemoto's arm, um, and then you kind of go. Kanemoto was working over the legs, and throughout the match, they're both like targeting um, moves on the arm and the leg. And um, there's a, a point where um, Kanemoto hits, or Samurai hits like a big like uh, flying headbutt on Kanemoto's arm. Uh, Kanemoto was ripping the mask, working over the leg with figure fours and other kind of leg locks there. And just a real kind of great back and forth between these guys. It's this struggle of, you know, both guys trying to execute their game plans on submissions and then also kind of mixing in some high flying stuff like random, like springboard flips and stuff like that. So it's like springboard twisting moonsault thing that Kanemoto did. Uh, there was a top rope poison Rana, uh, towards the end of the match, um, and then it all came down to uh, Samurai getting the big win with the death drop combo. He had like a death drop reverse suplex and then a, a lifting death drop to get the win. Yeah. Um, at first I was like, man, this is kind of slow. And then like halfway through right. it, like, it like heats up and you start looking at the, you know, outside of the ring. Liger's there. Jericho's there. Um, and... The uh, Poison Rana, I was like, holy shit. I was like, this is 1997. I'm just like trying to think. <laughs> I was like, people must have lost their fucking minds when yes. they saw that. That man um, yeah. landed right on his dome. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it was a really good match. I'd probably say like four and a quarter. Um, and I've seen Kanemoto before on Starcade 95. I had never seen El Samurai. I was expecting more high flying, but this one was kind of like we're building a match slowly and then it's going to peak and end at the right time. And this was a, a mat, like the crowd was going out of their fucking minds. Like, yeah. Yes. So, like that's like, I, I would see someone like Okada would be influenced by that match. Yeah. It was definitely um, a more of a, a heavyweight style match than a, than a typical junior match. There was some high flying, but not a lot. Yeah, it's worked more of a high fly, uh, heavyweight, kind of a slower pace, and kind of eventually, like you mentioned, building to that big finish. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jeremy, where would you have gone, you know, given it a uh, modern, like, rating scale after watching this? Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhere in between four and a quarter and four and a half. 
Okay, awesome. Yeah, so I I actually went ahead and rewatched this myself just because I hadn't seen it in a few years. It was it's a match that I remember just being great, but then I turned it on and at first I I started watching it and I was like, oh, it's a little slow. Like I don't remember it being this slow. Like I remember because like what sticks out in my mind is the big drops, the big strike exchanges, and everything, and, and like the drama, mm-hmm. and then. I had to like stop it and restart a few times. And as I paid attention to the grappling, I was like, you know what? This grappling is really indicative of like the grappling style of the time, like very like shoot based shooto style. And once I start, once I start paying attention to like the small things they're doing, I was like, Oh, these dudes are fucking each other up. Like they're doing a lot of nasty, like eye rakes and kicks and stuff. And then once they started like moving into the strikes where like they're kicking each other in the head or kicking each other in the legs, I was like, yo, they're fucking hit laying into this shit, like, really, really, really hard. And that's when it started to pick up for me, but, like, the whole story of, like, uh, Samurai's leg getting just, te- like, teared up by the strikes and by all the uh, submission holds, and he kept getting out of them, and the crowd just, like, really buying into that. I was like, okay, now I remember why this match is so great. Yeah. And, um... Samurai having to like overcome all of those submission attempts to continue on in the match. And then like towards the end when Kanemoto like just straight rips his mask off and like he's like his face is exposed. I was like, all right, I get it. I remember why this match is so fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And and, like, yeah, I I still love the match. I think it's still really – the thing is, is like it's really hard hitting. Like these guys are just super hate-filled. Like I think we see more more violent matches in New Japan nowadays – but I don't know if we see a lot that are as hate-filled. Like, everything these guys did was just real nasty towards each other. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't like, obviously, they were fighting to win, but it was also like they just didn't really like each other at all. Right. Like, they're trying to fuck each other up the whole the oh, whole match. Oh, he mask off. Like, yeah. disrespect. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like, it, it, I think it still really holds up. I mean, at the time, like, Dave gave this five stars, and people still, like, Harold, this is one of the best uh, Super Junior Finals. Um, I don't know if it, if it's five stars by today's standards, but it's 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 pretty high. Like it's still a really really great match. Yeah. All right, Rich, what do you have for us this week for the recommended match? So earlier I mentioned um, that the movie uh, with my dad as a wrestler, the final match was similar to uh, the Okada and Tanahashi uh, match from Fukuoka. So that is what I'm going to go with the. 11th defense i believe or when the the record-breaking defense for okada against tanahashi uh five-star match uh or 5.5 in the observer and um this one i remember loving it at the time so that is going to be my recommended match uh kazushiko okada versus roshi tanahashi uh what the fuck is that is that dontaku uh, dontaku uh, yep dontaku 2018 Nice. Yeah, I it's mean, been a while I, since I mean, Go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, I mean, like, you know, it's kind of cheating to just, like, give away a, a Tanahashi Okada match. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> every single one of their matches is, like, five stars. <laughs> no, like, I don't miss. You know, I ain't, ain't no time to be, you know, around with, you know, three and three quarters, three and a half. <laughs> ain't no time to be messing with that, man. We need to need this greatness, you know. Yeah. I haven't watched that match since we watched it. You know, live two years ago. So, looking forward to checking that out. And I remember really do liking that match back then, just how how good it was, and you know that the whole story. Yeah, will Tanahashi stop Okada from breaking his record? And uh, yeah, it was a good story, great match. So yeah, I'm looking forward to rewatching that. You recommended the wrong match. You should have recommended the one from uh, um, after from King of Pro Wrestling. 
when he won, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when Tanahasi won. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, that's... Maybe, maybe it was destruction. I don't know. It was either destruction or destruction. It was destruction. Yeah. Or you could have recommended the G one match a draw where Tanahashi clearly whooped that man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> man, that was our feud of the year that year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, they had. A yeah, game. why don't y'all go watch all three of those matches back to back to back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right, Rich. Uh, before you go, why don't you uh, give the listeners your, your plugs and where they can find you online? Yeah, man. Um, you follow me at richladder 32 on Twitter. Uh, check me out over on One Nation Radio uh, with James, and we're talking about you know a lot of stuff, different stuff every week. We're we're never we're gonna run out of stuff, uh, even if they stop, you know, if they cease operations. I think I saw some news today, possibly about AEW, but I'm gonna look more into the story. Um, the uh, you can check out me on YouTube. You just type in Rich Latham, subscribe to the page you like to see. Basically, some of the music I got going on, beat making videos, stuff like that, and check us out on the Discord for sure. That's right. If y'all ever, uh, y'all ever run out of live wrestling, we could always just do, uh, um, fucking uh, world class reviews. You know, right, right. <laughs> Go back to the network, watch some world class, watch some, uh, some mid south, yeah, some we'll good watch, shit. We'll watch some Kazakobashi. Yeah, you know. <laughs> We'll do the uh, live translation, Rich. Do oh the, man, do, doing the yeah. commentary. You guys have no idea. Like Rich should be at work, and uh, we're all working too. And then he's watching all these like interviews with uh, Kent Kobashi and like Aja Kong and stuff. And he's like, "I'll fuck you up." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Takayama, you want to get you want to get some? We can run it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thing was whoever he was gonna fight next was always sitting ringside, and then he would start selling out to him after the match, and something would happen, and they would go face to face. Like when he was uh, wrestling against Chono, the the match before that, he called Chono out. Chono was in an audience or doing commentary, one one of the things like that. Fast forward, bro, he's dumping Chono on his head like five, six times, like <laughs> in the, and it was just amazing. Yeah, I got mad. Like you were in the group chat, and you're like, "Josh, why you never told me you fucked up Chono like this?" <laughs> and I was like, "I told you guys about Kenta Kobashi." <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my god! All right, Rich. Well, thanks for joining us, man, and we'll have you back on here in the future. Yeah, man. No doubt. Thanks for having me on, and um, always glad to join. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode of Keeping It Strong Style. Next week, we'll be back with something. Don't know yet, but we'll have something planned for you. If you enjoy- it's going to be dope, whatever it is. <laughs> if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate. Click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. Also, follow us at Social Suplex on Facebook. We're Facebook.com. Slash social suplex. Also, find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we're at social suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. Also, look out for the social suplex Discord. You can go to the social suplex Twitter and find the link to that. You can email me, Jeremy at social suplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, every other Wednesdays, we have the podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. 
On Fridays, we have Get in the Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy, and Tiffany. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.